You know, it's uh, getting kind of cold out here, isn't it? So, you know, why don't we all just snuggle up next to the fire, grab a nice warm drink, put on some hitbox, and talk about the best games of the year. What do you think, Justin? Sounds like a great plan. Excellent. Let's, uh, let's sing a little song here. I heard there was Bowser's Fury, Knockout City, and Guardians of the Galaxy, but you don't psychonauts to Deathloop, <laughs> Returnal, and Metroid Dread, Back for Blood, near Replica, and it takes to Resident Evil Village. Game of the Year. Game of the year It's not the medium We are hit box It's hitbox What's in the fucking box? everyone welcome back to hitbox episode number 72 my name is peter hunts and joining me as always is my good friend justin makovich how are you justin i'm gonna be honest like you sung that very beautifully but that song oh, is such you. like a, a like a lullaby song to me that i kind of <laughs> feel like i need to like curl up in bed right now and oh you're oh, putting your blanket up just i was gonna say yeah <laughs> listen obviously you can't see this audio medium and all that but i'm i'm, I'm snuggled up in a blanket right now um, oh man, this is our game of the year episode. So we're ditching all the news, uh, everything we've been playing. I mean, unless you've been playing anything interesting, uh, both will come up on oh. my list. Well, that's quite interesting. Um, a game that won't be on my list cause it didn't come out this year that I've been playing is, uh, Link's Awakening, the remake on the Nintendo switch. Ooh. My sister got that for me for Christmas and it's really good. <laughs> Have you, and you never played the original, or have you? Nope, never. Cool. Um, just, just a FYI. There's a, there's a certain. How far are you along in it? I'm pretty far. I've, I think I'm on the fifth dungeon. Cool. Because there's a certain, there's a certain mission when you need to find one specific block mm. of ocean in the whole ah. world that they do not tell you about. So I would say it's safe to say if you need to look something up, it's not the end of the world. Way ahead of you. Oh, you Way ahead that. of you. Okay. I, I mean, like, it's gotten to the, thing, the point where, like, I'll get a little bit stuck, and I'm like, well, I'm going to look this up, and I'll say, oh, I'm glad I looked that up, because I would have literally never come to that conclusion. Yeah, exactly. It's like... In a, in a million years. Absolutely nothing, like, setting you up for some of those, like, puzzles and everything, but that's, like, yeah. a, a very, like, old-school Zelda kind of thing, and yes. I remember even going back to uh, Ocarina of Time, a lot of those puzzles were pretty obtuse to, like, get through sometimes uh, without having prior knowledge, but once you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing too. It, it's similar to, I mean, I've got this rule when I play video games where I'm not going to look something up until I do, and then when I do, when I do, if it's the kind of thing that I could have never possibly like 
gotten in a million years and I'm like well anytime i get stuck from here on out i'm gonna look it yeah, up exactly <laughs> um just because i'd rather not waste my human life minutes <laughs> yeah and i mean sometimes too like optimizing stuff like uh fun fun example um remember how last time we recorded i said how i got to the elite four in pokemon oh i don't know if yeah. i told you this i got to the, I, did i say this on the podcast i got you to may the elite or may four. not have but it sounds right so i got to the elite four and uh the game had been super easy like literally Infernape, everything, just like one-shotting everything all the way to the Elite yeah. Four. Uh, and Elite Four was a little challenging to a point where I just didn't know some of the type in, typings mm-hmm. of these Pokemon. So when they like throw in a random Pokemon, I had to be like, Drifaloom, you're a, uh, what, what are you again? So a lot Fine of it ghost. was that guessing. Yeah. But then you get to the champion and oh my God, the difficulty level goes from like baby mode to like unfair is that, immediately. Is that yeah, it just got like unfair. I think, to my knowledge, her... It's not Gardevoir. What's the Pokemon that's big? Garchomp. It's like a shark. Garchomp. Uh, to my understanding, that's, I think, one of the hardest Pokemon to beat in the whole series. Yeah. Based well, on, it, like, it's it, what it, it is and all Even, that. like, going into that, there had a couple of... Uh, like, the first two Pokemon that she sent out were both Pokemon I did not have a typing for. I did not have Ooh. a fairy-type move on my team, and I did not have a grass-type move on my team. Um, and, like, both of them, their only weakness was fairy and grass. So I was a setup to fail, so eventually <laughs> I lost, and then I spent, like, two weeks just, like, you know, rockying it up, like, like training in the Grand Underground, like, getting those Geodudes yeah. that have uh, their... Uh, what is that stupid move that all the Geodudes have that really sturdy yeah sturdy stupid sturdy um and then i go back there i I flew through it knowing what i needed to do and then i got to that garchomp uh and let me tell you all of my pokemon were higher level than that garchomp just one shot matter garchomp was faster garchomp was stronger i had a garchomp on my own to be like screw you buddy and guess what same level yeah hers was quicker still unfortunate (laughs) and mine in one move so <sighs> did you do it? Did no. you beat it? Oh, no, no. I, I, like, like it was all the training, and then I was on the play home ride for my uh, vacation, and then I was like, all right, this is the time. I'm going to go through this lead for do it. And then we landed, and I, I lost, and I was just, like, despondent. Yeah, th- I mean, there's really nothing more embarrassing for me personally than a Pokemon loss. <laughs> because it's like, I, I mean, not necessarily if it were against another person. Right, But, right, like, right. If, if it were against just... A random trainer because it's it's <laughs> yeah. like getting a gutter ball and having to turn around and be like hey <laughs> there was a there was a point you know? where the only way i was like staying alive was down on my last pokemon and i kept using full restore and i was like if i have enough full restores that they run out of moves you know then i can the survive PP. this yeah. and they could just struggle it out um but uh no i didn't have enough i only had like 15 and by the time i finished using them i'm like that was a lot of money just to waste on <laughs> this gotta strategy. go all out for that last that last battle though yeah. but but i swear she had 15 full restores she used whenever i got one of her stupid pokemon down to like red she just used a full restore like that's literally rough. six times in the battle frustrating that's rough that's rough well i hope you get it justin in the new year i mean uh maybe. this is our game of the year podcast as as perhaps my singing clued you into um we uh we're gonna go at it so this year is gonna be different than how we did it last year last year while it was interesting, in my opinion, I think it could be even more interesting. Last year, we sort of just read out our list and, and counted up. We assigned arbitrary points to, like, <laughs> you know, whatever our first place one was. And so I think because Last of Us 2 was both of our first, uh, it won by a 
shocking margin. Yes, it was <laughs> like, not even close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but this this year, we're, we're going to do it a little bit differently. I have my own personal top 10 list. Justin, uh, you have your own personal top 10 list. And then we are going to merge them together to make the Hitbox top 10 list. Now, you might have a game on your list that I don't have on my list. That I bet I do. I bet good I, money I'm going to say you probably money. do. Yeah. Um, the medium. If if that's on your list, I'm gonna scream. <laughs> but like like okay, let's say the medium was on your list. Let's say you had it at number one, but it's my least favorite game of the year, right? That's not true. But let's say it is. I would highly argue that it should not be on the list. But because it's on your list and you feel that strongly about it, I would say fine. Let's give it a number ten, right? Or even if it were like, um, just just. Here's a little spoiler. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, not on my top 10 list. But let's say it's on yours. Doesn't mean I don't think it's a good game. Doesn't mean I don't think it belongs on top 10 list. But uh, we, we're, we're going to talk about it, not argue it out, because I think you and I get along. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Right, and and have similar views on these sorts of things. But um, we'll talk it out, duke it out a little bit. And then, um, and then we're going to take our top 10 list to regionals. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know when this episode is is going to be coming out. I assume in the next few weeks here. But we are going to be doing a crossover episode with our friends at Button Mashing One Hundred One, which is on Spotify and iTunes and, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. Uh, and and we're going to be getting together and using our top ten list. They're going to be using their top ten list, and we are going to come up with a top ten list between the uh, our two podcasts. Um, so look forward to that. That'll be coming out at some point after this episode, which should be out on the twenty uh, ninth here. Justin. Are you ready to get into it? I'm like so excited to talk to you about this. Yeah, I'm. I'm super, super excited. <laughs> Do you want to go first? I, I like. I, I. I'm so curious as to what you have on here. I okay. I. I. I am also. I bet there was a, a couple of games that you might be expecting around my list, but are not yeah. going to be on my list. I'm sure okay. that's going to happen. But I'm going to start off with number ten, and this might be a shock to you because I think this is a very good game. But my number ten game on my game of the year list is Near Replicant. Wow. I'm excited. Um, Near Replicant is on my list. It is not in the 10th spot. Tell Ooh. me about Near Replicant. So I, I love love the Near series um, from when I started playing Near Automa. Uh, Automa. 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 I think you're forgetting like a second. There's another syllable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I enjoyed that game so much. And I think one of the things that really got me into that um, was the way the storytelling was done in that game. Mm. Uh, I think that game was superb in so many levels of being such a good, unique take on storytelling, how you had to play through it multiple times and how to do all of that. So when I came in and played Near Replicant, it was like kind of going back into that same world and like just, you know, putting on an older version of the pair of shoes you like. And mm. I felt comfortable in that world. However, ultimately, as much as I love that game and enjoy that game and put 40 plus hours into that game, played through that game, what, three, three and a half times um, in order to get all the endings and the platinum for it. Uh, the reason it's number 10 on my list and not higher uh, is because I do not think it was as rewarding as uh, Near Automa. Uh, automata automata that's it i got there uh it wasn't as uh rewarding as it was in near automata to play through it as many times as i had to put into it and i sure. think while in uh near automata the 30th hour was significantly better than the first hour near replicant the 30th hour was significantly worse than the first hour. sure because you're playing it so many times, yeah. Yeah, and you just like like there wasn't enough given to you by the end of that story to really like t- 
take it home for me of being like, all right, yeah, that that was a good payoff here. Um, but I think the story itself, like the the base story, was an interesting, good story, and I think definitely through that second playthrough, um, it's worth playing uh, multiple playthroughs. It's just everything yeah. after that. It's not a game I'd recommend to platinum, but I just love that that world. I love the story. I love the characters, and of course, I love the Game Awards winner for best music. Um, that was in near of uh, near replicant. Sorry. <laughs> so so I celebrated Christmas with Elena yesterday on the twenty sixth, and uh, I did receive a vinyl soundtrack of. Near Automata music and near replicant slash Gestalt music. Um, I I completely agree. Well, I'll, I will talk about my feelings on the game when uh, when it comes up on my top ten list. So far, an uncontroversial pick, I'll say. Yeah, We're looking I, good right now. And, yeah. and I think I think it was a game that we both liked. Did you play Near Automata this year? Yeah, I played yeah. it before Near Replicant, and um, I want to play it again because I really like it. Like it, it's one of those <laughs> games that like. I just am always thinking about, I I think it does a lot of really cool stuff and it's storytelling is really interesting. And, um, the fact that the third Canon near game, cause also the whole thing with near apparently is everything is Canon. So like there are stage plays, there are like, there's an ending that's found in like a photo book or something like that. Um, (laughs) and it's all Canon apparently. And, uh, the near, uh, near reincarnation, which is, uh, the gotcha upon phone game was is the third is like the canonical third <laughs> near game which by the way do you see uh yoko taro and the the person who writes all the music and then i think one of the producers for the games uh, did a video saying there there will be no more near games unless we get a lot of money oh that's so sad well no, i i have to imagine it is one i mean they're laughing the whole time it's like it's really interesting they like it seems like there are some messages in there that are hidden that they want people to find um, oh well, I wonder too if that means that they they might be hinting at an exclusive deal. Oh, with that uh, one certain platform, because uh, they're going to get a lot of money, huh? Yeah. All right, my number ten. Now I went back and forth on on my number ten here, and because I had, I had about thirteen games that I really liked, and. For me personally, this year, a lot of the narrative-driven games let me down in the act, like the gameplay department. Um, for example, like uh, your Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought the narrative was great, but I didn't like the gameplay that much. And I was asking myself, okay, between this, this, and this, if you had to pick one game to p- replay right now, what would you pick? And that, for me, is Resident Evil Village. Uh, now, so just for some like con- you would replay it because of the story and the gameplay and how those two things play together. Correct. Because I think, well, the story is okay. I think that the first half is a lot better than the second half, but I think the gameplay is a lot of fun. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing I was going back and forth on all these narrative driven games and like the narratives just weren't good enough for me to really get over the fact that I didn't like the gameplay that much and that the gameplay was really letting me down. Um, the, the story in Resident Evil Village is fine. It's okay. Uh, it's it's pretty simple. But I think that the characters are really interesting, particularly like the villains. Uh, and I think that it's changing things up enough so that it never really feels boring, in my opinion. I think it kind of gets a little boring towards the end as it's just like mowing down all of these enemies. But I think that uh, especially in that first half, there are so many memorable moments and so many memorable characters and ideas that come through that 
I really, really, really remember even, you know, all these months later, whereas with some of those other other games that I was that I liked, but but uh, felt okay on. uh, I just don't know if I'm going to really remember them in the way that I'm going to remember Resident Evil Village. It's got a good loop, too. I mean, like, I think that the shooting feels really tight um, and the weapons are all satisfying and stuff like that. Yeah, I I think this game was a big surprise to me, um, specifically because I came off of uh, last year, uh, or I came off of playing Resident Evil 7, and I was really disappointed with that game. Um, Disappointed is the wrong word. I just, I I didn't feel compelled enough to keep playing through it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it was a fine game. It's not like I hate Resident Evil 7. I just didn't like it as much as everyone else did. Yep. And when Village came around, I was kind of like at first being like, oh, the reviews are just like sevens and eights. People aren't like in love, in love with this game. I, I can probably like pass it off, uh, pass on it for a little bit. But, you know, I got to say, thank goodness for the library, because getting that game at the library <laughs> was like the the chance I needed for me to play it. I didn't have to invest yep. in any money. I didn't have to do anything. I just was at the library, put it in. And I'm not saying that this is not a game that is worth full price or even $30 or sale thing. Like it, it just like for me, it was a barrier because I'm like, I don't know if I want to put money into this game that was I actively did not enjoy playing Resident Evil 7. Right. Uh, and then you get to, to Village and it was from the beginning. I was just engrossed with it. I love the the quasi open world nature of it. I love the story behind it. I even like where the story went. I know a lot of people did not like the whole uh, first person. Oh, by the way, we're spoiling the fuck out of these games, right? Correct. Uh, cool. Unfortunately, if you haven't played these games, yeah, I would um, <laughs> turn away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and yeah, go on. But like when when the whole section happens with Chris Redfield, uh, I was just like, whoa, you know, like it was. Uh, I enjoyed that. It was a, a fun little narrative like jump yeah. for me. Well, it's really interesting because it. it's like, well, where's this gonna go? You know, because it just it it takes such an interesting turn. Yeah, no, I I think that um, pound for pound, I would say this is one of the year's most entertaining titles. Um, but I think that it falls short in the second half in terms of keeping that interest level up and, and it starts to be like, oh, I'm just doing the same things, especially when you get to that factory and, and sort of from there on out. But a good game in my book. And I'm also interested to see where it goes next because it ends with the big title screen that says the father's story is complete or something like that. Right, which is so you're gonna like be very the, like implies so many different things. So right, you're gonna be the baby that got cut up in half in a million pieces. The daughter, I guess. Yeah. Well, she goes and visits his grave, if you remember. Yeah. And yeah. Then she gets like driven away in a car or something. I don't know. And you, if she looks down, you see all the stitches around her still from when she was a baby. <laughs> Just you know, head, legs, torso. <laughs> um, yeah. Resident Evil Village number ten. Justin, what's next? Um, for my top ten, I'm going to put the uh, Golden Joystick Game of the Week of the Year winner, Resident Evil Village, as ah, my number nine, number nine game of there the year. Um, and I think so much of what you were saying, kind of like, uh, is is definitely a reason why I was really into this game about how I felt like on a gameplay level, I would want to go back and replay this game. Yes. And I think the way they set it up, how basically after your first playthrough, by doing minimum side stuff, you can get a shotgun with unlimited ammo, which is yeah. like the awesome. thing in that game that you it, it it changes how you play through the game, but it makes it exciting enough. And I think the game is such a good job of making it feel like an action game, but still having your horror moments in it that it's generally still kind of spooky to play through. Um, uh, the gameplay, the story, the everything about it. I just was, I was really surprised at how much I liked it. And as you said, the end of the story kind of was 
samey uh, or the gameplay of it was a little samey. I thought that once you get to the fish guy, like that area, I didn't think was really that interesting. And then I thought once you go to the factory, I thought that was like probably the worst area in the game because it was just, you know, interior metal areas and just shooting at these guys with like, you know, metal arms and like atomic parts or like, yeah. And I mean, I, to me, the, re- okay. the the thing I liked was how each area with each boss was so different from the other area. That's very true. And none of it was necessarily the same aesthetic. And even the gameplay loop was a little bit different in them. You have the Lady Demetresque who is chasing you around in one. Then you mm-hmm. have the area puzzles of the fish world to the uh, steampunk kind of elevator level exploring up and down of yeah. the of the uh, factory one. There's another one I can't remember. So The I, Dollhouse, man. The, oh, yeah. The and, then, and then the Dollhouse section, which is like very different from everything else that you're that you're going through and playing um yeah. i put this on my list even forgetting about that dollhouse level which was <laughs> was memorable <laughs> i mean like that's like the most effective like enemy in a game that i've played in a really long time that was yeah. just like horrible in, in like the best way you know just just completely horrific to yeah and experience. even how that whole thing like made sense and how you know at the end when you eventually stab the lady uh who's controlling yeah. the dolls uh and you do it in a very like you know, a smart, interesting way. Like it was just such a unique, and that that's why it was kind of. I almost wish that that was like the third area um, instead yeah. of the second one, just to like sure. spread that out a little bit. But I just really enjoyed how whenever you were fighting another boss, who were all super interesting from each other, um, it was just like a different flavor of that, and it didn't make anything get too old or samey, and it didn't feel like the boat section of Resident Evil Seven, which was just kind of like okay, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, and I also really liked how the story itself wrapped up narratively, um, mm-hmm. how right before you take on the, I guess it was the swamp. And is, when you're in that one room and it has all of like the, the library stuff uh, in it, um, this was like the Chris Redfield's base. I forget where that was exactly. Um, Are you but talking about ha- when you, you like sort of find out like what is actually going on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, that, that, I think that's as Chris Redfield, right? Yeah. yeah must be, I think it is like right before you like go through and like, free what's uh uh, ethan or whatever or or whatever but like um i just like how while you could easily miss that section because i know a lot of people don't like to read stuff i just like how they had it there for you and you could read through it find out where each of these people came from find out what their motivations were and Mm -hmm. i think each of their motivations as villains really kind of like made sense and were interesting so by the time you get to the end of the game which is you know by the way batshit bonkers as you have like a transformers fight with a demon (laughs) yes (laughs) you know like um uh to then like going in and and going in that village that first was so scary for you to like just mowing people down with your machine gun um i was pleasantly shocked with how great that game was and how both spooky and action-packed and good narratively it was and it really i think made seven better by solving a lot of those narrative beats that were kind of left open yes and i think it's a good sequel as well because like Mm -hmm. i know you don't love seven i really like seven um but like if you play those two sort of back to back it's like, okay, well, the, the first one, the first game is kind of a smaller experience and it gets bigger towards the end. But like, it's, it's you know, you're running around a house with a guy chasing you. And like, that's pretty, pretty scary. Um, but you know, you're not, you don't have an automatic weapon or, or anything like that. And then where uh, eight goes and, you know, you do have those sections where you're, you know, shooting grenade launchers <laughs> into crowds of, of werewolves and stuff like that. It feels, while, while that does feel crazy and wild and stuff, the escalation to there is really interesting. Because exactly what you said, that first time you're walking around the village, it's freaking scary, man. 
And then you start just confidently running around it towards the end because you end up understanding, okay, here's how to take care of the, the werewolves and, and here's where good ammo is going to be. And I've got these different weapons. So I think it is a good, um, I think it ramps things up in a very satisfying way. Yeah. Good Justin, game. my number nine. Uh-oh. Death loop. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Oh, okay. What's that? No, no, nothing, nothing at all. Just keep, yeah, no. It's a good game. Okay, interesting. So here's the thing: like Deathloop, you're on thin ice. All right. Um, it's the kind of game that the more I thought about, and after I finished, the less I liked, which is not what you want. Yeah, um, I, I think I said like on our show that it was probably my favorite game of the year, and at the time, as you're playing it, I think it really is, especially at the beginning. I think it's really, really fantastic. But as soon as it, as soon as you sort of do that final mission, uh, I'm trying to remember what, ex- what exactly it was called. As soon as you do exactly what it asks you to do, where you kill all the um, visionaries in a single go, I had this moment where I was like, oh, that was it, y- you know? And And there wasn't really a great way for it to, I don't know, let me do that. <laughs> let me figure out how to get all these people in the same place because it seemed like there were different ways to impact each of the visionaries. And a lot of the times that was just like how to kill them in different ways, right? Like for uh, the guy who's the comedian in the wolf mask, you can poison his dinner or you can uh, kill him in the meat grinder or you can Allegedly. kill him on the dance floor. I mean, every time I killed him, it was from a distance with uh, my charge <laughs> gun or whatever it was. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but like, I, I think that there were a lot of different ways to take care of them, but there weren't a lot of, I mean, there was only one way to go about that final plot. And so I think it would have been cool if it offered you a few different options as to how to do that. And then it would make experimenting really interesting. So like, okay, well, if I do this, he actually doesn't go there. He goes to this place. And then, so it's going to be a different level when you um, are, are going, moving on to the next stage of it all. But it, it's just a really linear, here's exactly how it's done, uh, experience, which is, I mean, it's fine. Like, I don't mind a linear experience necessarily, but with the way that Deathloop sort of had built itself, it seemed like it was exactly going to be the opposite of that. Um and then uh, uh, I thought the narrative beats that it took towards the end. I didn't realize that the whole time <laughs> people were people were saying like, oh, yeah, this, it's really gross the way that he thinks he's going to hook up with this woman. And then it turns out to be his daughter. Spoiler alert. Um, I didn't get that at all from my playthrough, uh, just from the way I interpreted it. But then reading how it's actually presented in the game, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that's kind of gross. Um, but in terms of the gameplay... I think it's really quite good. I like the action of it. I like the ebb and flow of of it. I think that the enemies are the perfect amount of stupid for it to feel like who they are. Because, I mean, like the AI is kind of dumb, but the as you're like listening to them talk and party and whatever, it, they're already kind of dumb. <laughs> like, like it sort of <laughs> makes sense that they would really not care that they saw Colt running around because they probably value their lives and um, are more interested in, you know, the rock concert or whatever else they're doing. Uh, I also thought that the upgrade mechanics were pretty cool. I thought that the different powers were all really interesting and unique and the, the weapons were interesting and satisfying. I, I wish that there were more of them maybe and more, you could make them a little bit more unique or that, um, you had to collect them for your runs so that you lose them each time. Just, just to make it a little bit more engaging. Cause I got to a certain point where I found the weapons that I liked and that was just the game from then on out. Um, but that said, I, I still think that it has 
a really, really strong first half. And then the only reason why I think it gets a little bit less interesting as it goes is because of how linear it gets and because of where that story sort of ends up. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, it's interesting because I was worried that this game would be way too open Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it would be hard to play because of that. Um, So, like, I was aggressively not excited for this game when it was announced and like through the preview process and everything like that, I was just like, okay, whatever. I've played Dishonored. I played Prey. I like those games, but I'm not in love with those games. And mm-hmm. there was just something about the way the narrative was going. I, I think I said this before. There was like a disconnect between the talking in the trailers that I watched and like the actual story and the action that was happening. It just yeah. seemed like it'd be chatty Cathy the whole time without like actually like being a narrative and like telling a story. Um, and I agree. I think the story to that game was uh very disappointing with its execution i think the mm-hmm. world the lore and the, the 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 setup of a potential narrative was there they just yeah. didn't execute on actually playing the game and getting that story um but i i actually kind of really did enjoy the linear nature of deathloop um yeah. i enjoyed how it was like my favorite parts when they told me to do something go here do this do that and then it was kind of like it's like not an it's not an open world game. It's like a sandbox linear game almost yeah. uh, that it's like you have this goal that you have to do that. You pretty much know how to do it, but like the direction you come at it, the weapon that you take in it, the method that you do it, it's different enough that I find found it fun to do. Even a lot of that stuff you had to repeat over and over again. Um, and I think one of the brilliant parts about this game is that it allows you to experiment with different things without feeling bad about it. Because not only do you have the, the, what's the power that he has that he can like rewind, um, he has his rewind ability, yeah. <laughs> but also you're playing the same stuff again. So even if you die experimenting with the lives that you have in the level, you have to do it again anyway at a certain point to try new mm-hmm. things and try new directions and trying to optimize that loop and optimize the way to do it. Um, I thought it was just pretty fun to explore. And I think it's way better than Dishonored. I haven't played Dishonored 2, better than Dishonored 1 by far for me. Um, It's been a long time since I've played it. I would, I don't know. I would say they're probably about the same for me. I would say it's much better than Prey, in my opinion. But I think you <laughs> we'll see, would probably and I disagree. like Prey better than yeah. Dishonored. Yep. But I think what made this way better than Prey for me is because I felt like a lot of the choices and the the exploration and stuff that I did in Prey, you block yourself off from certain paths with your upgrade tree, um, like. You know, if you're trying oh, yeah. to like do some like hacking and there's like a, a like I can either hack this vent or uh, or hack this keypad or lo- break the lock to this vent. You had to make that choice and it kind of limited how you experienced the rest of that game at that point because you made that choice or you mm-hmm. might not have saved an NPC and then you were screwed and it limited what you could do for the rest of the game. This one, if you made a mistake like that, you just redo the loop again and you can start again for the beginning. So I didn't feel ever like I was punished for experimenting. And it was just so fun for me every single moment to like play that game and go through that game um, that I think the gameplay was shockingly uh, to me uh, one of the things that I like the most, um, which is saying something because I'm a very much narrative person. So yeah. if the gameplay is the thing that carried me through that game more so than anything, um, I, it's, I, I think it's, it's uh, shocking that I liked it as much as I did. Um, is it my game of the year? It is not going to be my game of the year, though. But I, I really figured that was, based on our conversation. Right. Yeah, I, uh, I was pleasantly surprised yeah. with that game. Um, is it a perfect 10? Absolutely not. I but would say no. Still pretty good I would game. say no. Yeah. What do you got? Number eight. 
Uh, number eight for me is Psychonauts 2. Oh. Um, I enjoyed this game. Um, I think it was uh, when I, I replayed Psychonauts 1 this year to get ready for Psychonauts 2. And I was surprised at how well that game held up. Um, it held up better than I thought it did in my memory. Uh, it was still, I love the story. I still find myself giggling at it whenever I'm playing it. Uh, Psychonauts 1 is an awesome game. And I think Psychonauts 2 is a better playing version of Psychonauts with a worse story. Um, maybe not yes. worse story, worse like... Uh individual i think worse story <laughs> I, I would just say worse story yeah 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 um i i think the the strength of psychonauts one was how each of the levels was so unique uh from each other and i think in psychonauts two there were some standout levels but a lot of clunkers like pretty much like i think about half of the levels were just kind of like clunky levels or just like yeah whatever that's fine yeah um but uh, I enjoy the humor. I enjoy the characters, how they introduced all these new characters in a way between your family and making you care about your family to the new cast of the, of the uh, you know, the young youth cast that you got to join. What were they called? The, the youth cadet or the interns? Interns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also like getting to, to meet some of the parents of the characters that you met in the other games and like having those characters fleshed out, um, and really getting to get just a lot more in that world. It was a, to me, it was a much bigger experience than Psychonauts one. Um, even if that, the, the largeness of it wasn't necessarily better than what I had in Psychonauts. What I really liked about Psychonauts 2 is that, like, you spend so much time in Psychonauts 1 hearing about the Psychonauts. Yeah. But you never really see them. I mean, you see, you see that not the teachers, but the, um, like, the camp counselors and whatever. Uh, but it's always sort of experienced on the outside. And then when you finally get to go to HQ, it's like, whoa, this is kind of cool, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and you get to see those things that you've sort of talked about a little bit. Um, I think I thought it was probably the funniest game of the year, if I'm, I'm trying to think. I thought a lot of the like mundane dialogue and like the the more clever stuff really landed for me. Yeah. As opposed to just like to joke about bacon. Remember when bacon was funny? It's like yeah. you've been in development for a long time, huh? Psychonauts too. Uh, <laughs> I also like. I think on our episode talking about it, we had said it's kind of weird. Elijah Wood is just this random throwaway character. <laughs> and that, that's, oh no, he's the villain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It turns out that guy's the villain. Uh, I, I I did like Psychonauts too, and I think its art direction is so great, and the level design I thought exactly what you said was so great. It's just that the narrative didn't really hold up with a lot of it, the narrative wasn't as good as its like level design and and things like that, and the gameplay is perfectly fine platforming but it's the same exact gameplay from the first game essentially uh which is not my favorite it's not terrible but it's definitely refined but uh i i did i did like psychonauts 2 quite a bit this year yeah and i think uh with uh like actually like the gameplay i think it was a tighter like experience a tighter gameplay tighter controls than um psychonauts 1 and they fixed a lot of those issues but i think this game focused a lot on combat, a lot more than the first game did. I was yes. shocked at how little combat was actually in that first game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you come to this one, and there's so much more combat, but the combat is so boring. It's not interesting, yeah. And for something that they really seem to like be focusing on, for it to be so boring and so basic, um, it was 
a little disappointing, I think. And I think they could have had more fun with the combat to have like better dodge rolls and better things that to actually would make it feel like a good action platformer. Instead, it was like a platformer with button mashing elements, you know? <laughs> well, I, I think that like exactly to your point, if, if they introduce any new, any new combat stuff, because the problem is for me, it was just the same combat from the game that from 2004 or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, not 2004, maybe. Seven, two thousand seven, sure. five. I was six, in high school. Whatever. I think. Um, yeah. So, so you know, it, it's just the same, <laughs> which it, it looks nice, but unfortunately, it's all the same. It's pretty much all the same powers, and and even the new ones don't really get use in combat all that much, if I'm remembering correctly. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I like Psychonauts too. And, um, and some yeah. of the emotional moments that they had in that game were some of the stronger emotional moments that I've, I've experienced in a video game this year. Like yeah. the highs were super high with that, but it just did not pan out in a way that by the end of it, I was like, I don't really care. And this seemed to really build up quickly with this escalation. And like, it just didn't, it, it didn't hit for me. Well, um, we talked about, end. we talked about how like, you spend so much of the game going, where is this going? And then you go, oh, okay, here's sort of where it's going. But they have you do, you know, a bunch of different brains to get to, <laughs> to have a bunch of people come yeah. together to do one thing. Yeah. And then um, they realize like, oh, we didn't actually explain this very well. So you have to go on a cart ride, like a literally like a museum ride of like, here's the story. Here's yep. actually what happened. And now, um, while that's a unique concept, I don't, I wish that wasn't the only way you delivered the plot right. to me. right. Um, that could be a great way and a great joke to catch people up who maybe weren't paying attention. Yeah. Um, but so it goes. Oh my gosh! Like helmet of uh, what's the, the helmet guy? Jack Black's character. Jack Black. That was great. Oh my god! That was such a good moment. And then yeah. about like how he felt like everyone had just abandoned him and left him there, and mm-hmm. like uh, that was such a, a good payoff. But that was like halfway through the game, and then from there yeah. it's like the and rest he, of the he turns. Disappeared. Yeah. 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 One hundred percent. Again, loved it. Fun looking game. More of a game I liked. That's why it's on my top ten list at number eight. I totally get it. My next Persona Five Strikers. We all saw Ooh. this coming. Um, <laughs> I mean, did we? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's really good. I'll say this: it's really good. As someone who doesn't really like like uh, Muso games, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it is more Persona Five, but in a different way, which I think is cool. I probably would have liked it better if it were just straight up the gameplay, the turn-based gameplay of Persona 5, but what can you do? Um, It was nice to revisit those characters and see sort of where they ended up after all that. And while I think the story is at the end, turns into, well, we have to go fight a god again, which I don't think it needed to be. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I do think that the story is was very it was good for someone who really likes these characters in persona 5 and i think that if you've never played persona 5 uh you shouldn't play this game because it's just it's literally just not fan service in the in the traditional sense but it is just oh did you were you curious about how all that wrapped up that because it never really went into that in the original game well here's a little bit more of that so so i would say that in most years persona Mm. 5 royal would probably be on your top two right yeah it's interesting actually now i've now that 2021 is over, I've caught up on the games that I didn't play from 2020. Your Ghost of Tsushima's, yeah. your Persona 5 Royals. Uh, yeah, that would have been probably one or two <laughs> from last year. I mean, we're talking about like better than Last of Us. Potentially, right. Ooh, if, I, if I had to really sit down and think about it, yeah. So um, with that in mind, if mm-hmm. they had the same gameplay as Persona 5 Royal and Strikers, 
is the story, are the characters, is that enough to make it that level? No. Because all of the character development that happens with the big cast happens in the first game. Mm -hmm. And so they sort of are all like, they all have like tiny little mini arcs, but it's not like enough to really get you there. And, and it cuts out when I say like the gameplay of the first one, uh, I'm, I'm just referring to like the, when they're in the metaverse, because when you're in the real world in persona five strikers, I mean, there's just nothing to do really. Uh, they're, like the bond system that you have in Persona 5 is not really there. There's kind of like a thing with it, but it's not in the way that it was before. Um, there's no like time management. There's no like smaller activities to do. Uh, it, the focus of, of Persona 5 Strikers is the combat. And for me, the combat of those games is the stuff that I like, I think, the least. I mean, I still like it, but like if it were just a game of just that, maybe it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why people play, I think, Shin Megami Tensei. Because it's just more of the combat than it is really anything else. That's so, not in your top ten, is it? I'm just checking. I did not play it. No, Good. I'm just you know wanting uh, to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, uh, I think what I wanted Strikers to be was if it did bring in every single element from the first one, then yeah, I would probably like it more. But it would also just be exactly the same as the original, which more is not always better, you know. I'm just gonna say, with that addition to your list, your game, your uh, your game of the top ten list is a hell of a lot more uh, Japanese than mine is gonna be this year. I'm just gonna Can throw that something? one out there. I have a lot of Japanese games on here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, I, I was surprised. So, uh, and and I don't know if this is gonna be a spoiler over here, but the only one I have on my list is here it comes near replicant. Oh. Oh, oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, no. And, and that one almost didn't get on my list. Oh, um, no. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So What's your number I, seven? <laughs> Here we go. What's your number seven? Uh, this is where we're going to start diverging. Two ships in the night. Death's door. Ah, uh, death's door. Um, I, uh, was really impressed with this game, uh, when it came out, uh, I kind of bought it on a whim and for me to mm-hmm. buy an Xbox game on a, without game passes, I, I think shocking enough. Um, uh, but it really kind of, uh, just, uh, from everything about it, from what people were saying about it, from the previous cycle, how it looked, it really, uh, got me, uh, interested in, in getting this game. And uh, who, uh, what else did this uh, studio make? Were they the Titan Souls? Titan Souls. Titan Souls. Um, and I played that game and it was fine. I mean, that's a boss rush mode. It was like, you know, all, all you take all the parts I love about Dark Souls, the exploring, you get rid of it, just have the boss battles. Not one of my favorite games of all time. Mm. Um, but Death's Door had a fun combat system that was at times frustrating and i don't like games a lot that make me frustrated and this game there were several times where i was so frustrated that when you finally got that victory in that in that uh monster pit room or that boss that you were fighting it felt so good and i didn't really have another experience this year um where i got frustrated like that and i came out on top and happy with it like this game so yeah you had that part of it which made it great um but one of the things i really liked was i thought the story was cool um, I thought the uh, actually like exploring around the world was really fun. It was uh, a very good Zelda-like game, like yeah. a kind of like top-down Zelda-like game that I was just not expecting to enjoy it that much. So you add the fun combat and then you add the uh, fun exploring to it. Um, it. It was just, I really enjoyed it so much. And it's one of the more beautiful games out there. 
Um, I love the plot and kind of like the the I guess quote unquote plot twist uh, yeah. that that happens in the game when you find out that the uh, crow that you've been helping, the old crow, is kind of like not necessarily the bad guy, but like he was wanting He's, you to accomplish the goal yes. for bad reasons. And it was like one of the last boss fights you do that, that he fight is, is so one, good. It's so awesome, and it's like yeah. epic and like. I wasn't expecting that kind of thing. And that was like, I think out of all of the games on my list, um, that boss fight was one of the most important boss fights for plot. Um, Mm -hmm. And really like having that emotional moment where, uh, you know, I I thought the combat and the story came together in a beautiful place. Um, And I was just really surprised at how much I enjoyed this game to the point where if this were on PlayStation 5, easy I would have gone back and platinumed it because I even did most of the post game stuff afterwards um, and I didn't want to like do it all because like what I get a perfect gamer score nah but like yeah. if if that was that platinum there I would have done and I would have beaten it um, so Death's Door is a uh, strong number seven on my list you know it's interesting uh, I liked Death's Door but there, there were really standout moments but in general I found it to be the frustration was what I think soured it a little bit for me especially at the end with I, I just thought that final boss fight was not uh satisfying i didn't think he was yeah i don't know i, I, th- I think it is directly contrasted with my feelings for metroid dread's final boss fight um which i'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit but uh yeah i, I did like death store I, I thought that it had a lot of premises that it didn't necessarily deliver on from a narrative perspective for example you're a crow right and i think that's fun and cool and you don't necessarily need to have anything in the game like reflect the fact that you're a crow you can just be a crow but it always to me it sort of seemed like it was leading to you being a crow meaning something and you like that being like oh you're gonna get this power you're gonna be able to jump or fly or something like that but it just never panned out maybe you can jump can you jump i think so i thought uh, you were gonna uh, have well, more maybe not maybe you can dodge roll then you get the hook shot that you are able oh, to like go is. across yeah. gaps yeah um or or you know you get this soul stolen from you and the character tells you narratively if you don't get this back you're gonna die or something like that uh and you think oh there's gonna be like this ticking clock element and i don't necessarily love ticking clock elements in games that definitely ruined the game (laughs) yes right uh but i thought that like there were a lot of these moments where in the narrative it would have made sense for that narrative to affect the actual game of it and it just never did uh to a point where it was kind of there were all of these like consecutive like oh okay it was just oh it's just a straight up zelda game that's fine because uh, it's a good Zelda game and like the boss design is great and and um, I think the areas are pretty cool. But I also found it's it's traversal to be a little frustrating because I mean, it's like isometric, but also you're going like north and south. And anyway, uh, it's a good game. Not on my list. And, and I think uh, with what you're saying about uh, Metroid Dread, uh, I think Dread did do boss fights better to a point because i felt like the boss fights themselves were more puzzle oriented rather than it being like straight up like just hit this thing as many times as you exactly, can and dodge. exactly yeah. this this game did come to that point uh i think just trying to hit as many times as you can but i think what with the final boss i wasn't as bothered by the final boss as you were for a couple reasons the first reason is that i was so appreciative that they had checkpoints in the middle of it because if they did not have <laughs> checkpoints in the yes, middle of it i right. would have screamed um, but the second thing I really liked about that was uh, you had trouble with the rolling mechanic from the final boss. I was stuck 
as cr- like whatever with the Betty the Yeti fight. With the Yeti, yeah. The Yeti one was the one for me. But I felt like once I got through Betty the Yeti, I was able to then apply that skill. So when I saw that same move from the final boss, I wasn't taken aback by it. Because I think if I never had the Betty the Yeti fight and that final boss did that stupid roll move, I'd have been so pissed and I'd have been like the most frustrating thing ever. But by yeah. that point, I felt like, oh, they've taught me how to do this a little bit. It's still annoying, still not my favorite thing, but that's like a Souls fight when they do that random like area effect move that kills you without you know full health and you're like, damn yeah. it. Um, but uh, I did enjoy that game. My number seven, Halo Infinite. Oh, cool. It's a little low on the list, isn't yeah, it? I'm I assume shocked that's what that, that was. So, Halo Infinite. <laughs> um, the more I've played it, <laughs> the more I've played it, the, and specifically its campaign, the more I was like, what the fuck are you doing? 343 <laughs> Industries. What the, what the fuck are you doing? Because it's like the gameplay is so good. In the, it, it's so good. And then. 90% of the like the campaign missions are just funneling you through corridors in the same enemies you've been fighting since Halo 2 in the same corridors that you've been seeing since Halo 1 but they don't even put the flood in they don't do anything and then like the story is like bad <laughs> i mean it's just it, it it takes all of these beats that like i guess i was waiting to hear about like what happened with Cortana and they're like oh it's just like she died oh like was it cool no not really Okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell me about? I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it just, it was completely unsatisfying. And the end opened it up to be like, I mean, obviously they're going to be doing more games from what it seems like, but it just never came together in that way for me. And I don't think that, so it's open world was cool, but it never used the fact that it was an open world game to its advantage in its campaign, ever. I mean, ever. Um, because Halo games have had open levels, like that are you know just big, expansive levels that weren't open world. Um, but this game was either you are in the open world doing open world things, or you're in a level doing shooting guys in a corridor. That said, that gameplay, that grappling hook, that hook shot is so good and so satisfying, and it's so fun, and it, the way it translates into the multiplayer is so good. Um, that despite the fact that by the end of the campaign, I was like actively mad <laughs> at it. Not, not mad, that's strong words for a franchise that I, um, I liked as a kid, I guess. <laughs> um, but, but it just wasn't, uh, it, it felt like, I, like by the end of the story, I was like, who is this for? Because people who loved the three, four, three games, they did, they, they did those people so dirty. People who were coming back who loved the Bungie games, they did those people dirty in the in the sense of like nothing from past Halo canon really matters at all because they just they kill they they said okay we've got this storyline going on that's kind of interesting we're just gonna shut that down completely entirely um, yeah and and like any of the thing any of the plot threads from Halo Five from the other Spartans and stuff completely gone completely missing from the game not even mentioned so yeah. That said, the gameplay is fantastic, and the multiplayer especially is so good, and I'm having a great time with it, and I'm continuing to play it, um, even having finished the campaign and stuff, which is sort of when I fall out with a lot of shooters. See, I think 343 was uh, between a rock and a hard place with with the game to a certain point, and mm-hmm. I think what they did was the safest narrative option by doing a soft reboot. 
Um, and I guess, and I think, I, I don't know if the answer would have been to finish the narrative of Halo Five, because I think that would have required people to play Halo Five, and I think most people agree that Halo Five was not one of the stronger Halos story wise or in general. Um, and I mean, I think from what they they kind of describe. Now, I don't know how far it got in Halo 5, because that's the one Halo I have not played, but how they start describing the Cortana, like, going crazy and, like, destroying, not not only threatening Earth. Did that happen in Halo 5? So she goes crazy, and she says, all right, all the other AI, why don't you guys come with me, and we'll just leave humanity to go do their thing, and then we'll kill all of humanity, who is, like, making us our, our we were just, like, servants to you. We'll, we'll, we'll just kill you guys. And then that's where the game ends. It ends on a cliffhanger. And then in Halo Infinite, you like hear stories about, oh yeah, I remember when we fought in Sydney, in Sydney Harbor, and Master Chief's like, yeah, it was kind of cool. So that happened like, in Halo Five, the Sydney part. No, that oh. you just hear about you just hear about this fight that happened against Cortana and her AIs, and you just never see it. And then you say, well, what happened to Cortana? Oh, she kind of died off screen. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I I would say I might I might. Because I think how they handle that is they kind of tell you what happened in between the two games, but they don't tell you what happens after that in between and right before Halo Infinite starts. Like, and I think when we were talking, I I was I was figuring when I started the game, I was a little confused story wise because I figured I needed to play Halo Five in order to understand what happened at the beginning of Infinite. But then once you said that wasn't the case, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm just kind of confused anyway. And then by the time they kind of explain what happened, like I knew Cortana was starting to go crazy by the end of four, if I'm correct, yeah. right? And then five was more of developing that plot a little bit, right? Where, where it was becoming, she was going to be the antagonist. Yeah, for and Halo 6 the, or Halo 5? For Halo 6. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then she just didn't show up. I mean, she shows up a little bit, but like... So, I mean, they, they basically set that up with what happened afterwards without giving you too much because they talk about how she threatened Earth and then she destroyed the planet of the... I keep forgetting the name of that stupid... not The Covenant alternate... The um, Brutes. Oh, the, the Banished. Yeah, the Banished. She destroys the Banished homeworld, starts that whole thing, and then somehow humans got on this ring with Cortana um, and their goal was to destroy Cortana... Uh, and the Banished wanted to destroy Cortana to get back at them, and then the Banished and the humans were there fighting. So we don't know how that all initiated. We don't know necessarily all of those little details about how they started that. And I think maybe some people can go in there and read those stupid audio logs that sounded like sexual groans from the Brutes that I'd never want to hear again, but I'm sure someone yeah. can go in yeah, there and, like, fair. Dark Souls that lore. Um, but I, I think... I don't know if, like, just picking up at Halo 5 would have been the best thing. And I think starting with this new kind of like Cortana went bad. This new weapon is Cortana, basically. But is she going to go bad, too? And I think starting that relationship up being like, eventually this weapon character could go bad if you don't do things differently and you don't solve things the way they wanted to do. Uh, I think that's to me that that's an interesting setup for Halo and beyond putting a, 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 you know, a period on what happened before, but now moving into the next part about Master Chief, how does he get back to Earth? How does he do all this other stuff? Um, I'm interested where the story's going to go, and I think they... I don't know. I, I was... If anything, the story was one of my favorite Halo stories from, since Halo 1. Really? Interesting. Well, I don't, to me, because I agree. I think there is a way you could do that cool uh, of having Halo, uh, Cortana be dead, and you just show up, and it's like, well, what do we do now? She's dead, right? But I, I think that you have to make the story about her 
Because it wasn't. <laughs> like, the story was not really about her until the last mission or so. It was about taking care of the Banished. And even the Banished leader, the guy Atriox, that they keep talking about, is also dead. Which, again, I think there could be a cool story of, of is like... He now? I think I think he died. I think Cortana killed... I think that was... Then what? what's the post credit scene with him in the time thing? post credit scene was there a post credit scene yeah i don't remember it's like it's like he basically is i think on that halo ring well in the past like he just traveled through time so he didn't actually die because he died off screen oh i don't know but what i'm trying to say is it, like i think there's a cool story that could be told about like Everyone in this last conflict died, but it would the story would have to still be about that conflict, right? And picking up the pieces of all that. And you're right. The thing with the weapon being like freaking out because she realizes, oh, I'm Cortana. And she's freaking out like, I, I don't want to turn evil. Am I going to turn evil? Do you think, Master Chief? And like the answer is no, not until not in, and you've got seven years at least to be fine. <laughs> and then you all go crazy because that's how rampancy works in the Halo universe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's number seven because it let me down in such a major way in the story department. But the fact that the gameplay is so good and that grappling hook is so good. And and I think it really doesn't get old. And the fact that I put up with this horrible story and I still freed all the bases and I still, you know, freed all the Marines and, and captured all the whatever, killed all the the um, notable enemies and all that sort of stuff, I think shows that. Even though I, as a Halo fan who was sort of on the fence about things, I was still willing to put up with it because it's so fun to play, and I'm still st- dipping into that multiplayer still. I, I I just feel like we're in an alternate reality where somehow I'm sitting here defending Halo, defending Halo. <laughs> right? Isn't that weird? Like, what's happened? <laughs> <laughs> Justin, number six. I want to hear about it. Uh, number six is let me dramatic drum roll, please. <clears throat> Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, anyway, go on. So, so uh, <laughs> this was a game that I started before break, and I was a yep. little, little tempted on it, I think. Um, I think the when I started playing it, the story was a little slow. Um, that's because they were doing what they call setting up the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Um, but it was a little slow. And the gameplay was a little generic to a point where it was a little just, like, not great for me. Yep. Um, yep. However, by the time you get to the end of that game, um, and by the time you uh, get to... I would say it's the time when you go back to nowhere uh, the second time. Which time? The second time. What happens then? When when things kind of go bad? That's when you think you're going to stop it, and then turns yeah. out, no, actually, you didn't, you're not going to stop it. They got Adam Warlock, and then whatever. Um, that, like, when that started happening, the combat kind of opened up in this way that they started mixing enough enemies with each other that it just got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of enjoying these fight scenes. Like, yeah. I'm enjoying the, doing mm-hmm. the fight from, from motion to motion, and it was kind of just fun to do that. By the time you have all your guardians upgraded, by the time you have that stuff, the combat became pretty fun. And the story itself was, like, for most of that story, it felt like it was movie-quality storytelling to me. Yep. Um, and I'm even thinking about going to that uh, near the very end of the game. Uh, you, are tr- you go into your, quote-unquote, 
end quote daughter that you find out is not your daughter, Nikki's time loop dream. Uh, and you are talking with her and trying to get her out of this time loop, and you have this just really massively powerful emotional scene about dealing with grief and it's just two characters talking they don't do anything crazy with like anything other than uh you know the camera shooting from uh peter to nikki and going back and forth but that to me i was like wow that's like an a really powerful emotional scene to have and there's yeah. a scene too when you're trying to, to reason with her and you're saying how well i know ex- i know what you're feeling my i i chose the one like try to relate so i was like i i, I lost my mom and then she like stops she's like no i i already i already saw whatever and like this is you're not me this is not going to help me by sharing your grief with me yeah. it was just a really like nice kind of conclusion to everything um and they do so many fun little things, and uh, you were saying how you thought, thought Psychonauts 2 was uh, one of the funnier games this year. I yeah, would I agree about with that, this one. but I also think Guardians of the Galaxy was yep. pretty damn funny, too. Um, and it was funny with having like real emotional moments to it, and the humor never really felt like it was um, winking to the camera with the exception of at the very end, not the very end of the game, the end of chapter 15 where you're doing your victory lap and you're like waving to all the, your yeah. fans and then you slightly meet all the characters and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, this game is now straight up goofy, but like whatever, you just beat the game sort of. Yeah. Um, and so I thought the story was awesome. Uh, there was definitely some parts of it that I wish they spent a little bit more time with, a little bit more time with the Soul Stone, a little bit more time with what what was going on with Nikki's hair. I didn't I didn't know about that. What was why Nikki's did she hair? Yeah, she looked like Miss Marvel. Uh, not Miss Marvel. She looked at uh, uh, Captain Marvel with her like glowing oh, oh, orange hair. It, yeah, like she yeah, Cree. What does that I make sense? It doesn't make sense to me why that was I don't happening. Remember. It looked cool, but I didn't get yeah. it. Um, so like there are a couple moments like that. Um, but like once you beat the game, you get this really cool like journal. I don't know who wrote the journal, um, but it like basically talks about everything that happened in each chapter from I think Peter's perspective and like what happened. And it was just like a, such a fun way to go through the story after you beat the game. Um, and there was just so much good about it. Um, I think uh, the the things that make I, I think when I was playing the game, I was first not very hot in it, but then I got I started to like it more and more. And then I was like, what game is this like? Can you make it do you have if I asked you, can you compare this game to another game? What does that what game would that be? In terms of going from being like, I don't really like this to like, no, oh, no, the game really itself. Good. Does it does it have any reminders to people, you of anything? People said it was like Final Fantasy VII Remake, where you're using your squad mates and commanding them to do different things. Um, which I guess I can agree with a little bit. To me, the easiest comparison I can make is Mass Effect. Oh, well, yes, From absolutely. From the combat to the story to going around your ship and talking to people. Um, I think the thing that is better with Mass Effect is the scope of the world, the scope of how all these like interconnected decisions really are, are mattering and how yep. it does so well about introducing this new world and all this other stuff. But other than the scope of it, how the storytelling was how the gameplay felt um the just i think quality of it was like blew mass effect out of the water for me um and i think you know obviously it's a little bit more narrow in it being with marvel having that kind of backstory but i enjoy this this way more than and i only played mass effect 1 of the legendary uh, collection mm-hmm. and i with the exception of the decision making and the scope of the world i would say like probably better than Mass Effect 2 for me in terms of sure. gameplay and story. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
maybe not necessarily like I think it, what makes Mass Effect 2 great are the choices you make and the yep. characters in there and developing those relationships and you are the one that has those choices. You didn't you had choices in this game but it's like avoid boss battle at end or something. And I looked it up too and it's like not minimal. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I really I really enjoyed it uh, a lot and uh the reason it's not higher <laughs> is because I have no interest um, about going back and platinuming this game because I don't necessarily like maybe it might be fun to new game plus it, but I did a, I looked at a lot of those choices and I'm right there where you were sort of, but mm-hmm. I think I'd have to do enough backtracking and enough like just like stuff that I just don't I don't think it's it's worth it. But the game itself was almost like what 15 hours ish of yeah, good like that. quality story. Um, the if I'm going to give it a gripe. Um, I did feel like the thing, fang, foom part. It was good narrative payoff, but it came right at the end and it just kind of broke the pacing. And I thought that the way that they were talking up this monster that we were going to show up and it was going to be like dead or like really tiny, like they they kept talking up like, oh, it's the craziest monster in the whole world for like 15 minutes. And then you show up and it is. And like, I guess that's fine. But with the whole tone of the game, like they're yeah, like, yeah. it seemed as if it was going to, you know, zig or zag or something but well and then with um i think with the um i like where it went though with how basically what what, what's uh uh, drax's uh race um what what are the species men whatever whatever they are (laughs) how basically the hunt for fing fame foom uh is basically like you go there knowing you're gonna die and it's your way to die a warrior's death Yep. And Drax was supposed to do that when when he had failed um, to prove that he was still a warrior. So that gave so much more context at the beginning of the game when he kept talking about that and going on that hunt that he still wanted to do this and complete this. And it just I think that it was like a good narrative payoff. But I think the gameplay section there and the pacing of that just kind of like killed it at the end with where it was building so well. Um, but again, I get it. But also, I wish it I didn't have to get it. It was like an hour mission that I it had right at the end there. But um, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's it's awkward because it like you go from the main story and then it's like, oh, we're gonna do a little side thing. Yeah, yep, yep. Oh, what about the whole yeah. And and then they like go real quick into just resolving all this stuff, like when, <laughs> yes, when that yes. oh when the dragon lady comes in, <laughs> like literally on the planet. Um that was a funny was... moment though. I wish they made a bigger moment when you killed him by accident. Like I wish that was like a bigger <laughs> thing, like Drax got on top of the dragon and like like aggressively killed him like stupidly or whatever, and then Groot saved him. Like that was a that was a, a moment of comedy they missed, but I get why they didn't, I guess. Maybe. I will say though, those gold suits are so dope. Oh yeah, it was at really the awesome. end when it's yeah. like, oh, we're a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. By number six, Justin is Scarlet Nexus. I thought this game was very fun. I think the combat in this game is excellent. Uh, I don't love all of the, and we've talked about this on other episodes. I don't love all of the like time to go talk to a bunch of people who are trying to kill me <laughs> and hang out with them and like, you know, whatever. Don't love that sort of stuff. But, um, I think there's enough there to really make it cool. Uh, I would love in future, if they make a sequel to this or anything like that, I would love for them to really play around with having two protagonists because being able to choose is cool. Um, but it doesn't like the differences aren't really that much. And because you are meeting with the opposite side so frequently and like updating each other on what's going on, like it doesn't really warrant playing another, really playing another time to actually see it because you you know you already sort of heard about it but i think that loop is super good it's flashy uh the aesthetic and like the dis- art design and stuff of it is kind of not like anything that i'm really familiar with before um there there is a 
lot of characters in it, but I think that they did a good job at making them interesting and also having interesting arcs because sometimes with these sorts of anime games, I feel like a lot of the characters are just caricatures and stay being those caricatures. Um, because you know, it's just like, Oh, he's the mean one. Okay. (laughs) But I thought that Scarlet Nexus does a really good job at being like, Oh, he's the mean one, but he's actually pretty insecure about these specific things, which is why he's actually kind of mean. So thought that was really cool. Uh, I was a big fan of Scarlet Nexus. Peter, I just got to say, you need to play Fire Emblem Three Houses. Like, I know. Like, I, I, I know. think the, the, the con to that game is that it's a pretty big time investment, and if you're not mm-hmm. into those strategy games, it can be a little bit eh. But, like, I feel like you play the first half of that game, and I'm not going to spoil it, but, like, a lot of the characters are your typical, like, oh, there's the angry one. There's the guy who likes to eat a lot. There's this, yeah. the you know, the, the ditzy one. But then the second half every character changes and every character grows or in some cases regresses from where they started the game. And for anyone who's played that game, there's like a very clear part of development. So, um, and each character gets so interesting and I think the combat itself is fun enough. And that, that's why I'm just, you know, thinking of that because when I was playing the game, all of like the character development stuff just felt more checklisty than it did for Fire Emblem. And to mm-hmm. me, Fire Emblem did it better um, with all that character stuff. So that's what I kept like bouncing back. And I think the story in Fire Emblem Three Houses is still better than Scarlet Nexus. Um, Scarlet Nexus is my, uh, was my, I was actually fighting about putting this on the list and I was going back and forth between Near Replicant and Scarlet Nexus um, about getting this on my list. And I ended up putting Near Replicant on there is because ultimately I stuck through to Platinum Near Replicant and I could not stick through Scarlet sure. Nexus to do it. And I think we were talking uh, on either between podcasts or we were talking last time we recorded. I was like, what's better, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy or Scarlet Nexus? And that was like a real question. Like to me, when we were, when I was just starting Guardians, I like Scarlet Nexus more. And then, so like we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy was probably like my 11th on the list. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I finished it, the way the story ends, the way that wraps up in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and the way the combat ended in Guardians of the Galaxy, and how it got better playing that combat at the end than it did at the beginning, I felt Scarlet Nexus, by the time you get to the end, it just it, the combat got a little stale, the enemy selection got a little stale, whenever yep, you fought right. human bosses, like the humans were the humans worst suck. things yes. to fight in that game. Um, and then as I, once I beat guardians, I, I, you know, look at your list all of a sudden it's like, Oh shoot. It went from being 11 to like number six <laughs> on my list. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I still enjoyed Scarlet Nexus. I, I love the music. I love the setup. I love the beginning of that story. I do agree. I wish you had two protagonists in the same story rather than having like to get the hundred percent, you have to play through, play both. through both. And it's like the um, same thing. Yeah. I wish they did what they did in Sonic Adventure two battle. Uh, which is how you have the evil yeah, and yeah, the yeah, good, yeah. and then once you beat both of those stories, you get the that ending. intersect. You get the special joint mission tree chapter select thing. Um, so ultimately, I think the like Scarlet Nexus is a great game. I think it's still on Game Pass. Maybe. Yep. I think Play so. it. Do it. It's good. Um, it's good. So yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scarlet Nexus. What you got? All right, um, now we are into the top five. And I got to admit, I I think all of my top five games are great. I think I like all them. of my top ten games are great. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, for me, like, it, like Death's Door, Psychonauts 2, Resident Evil Village, Near Replicant, 
Um, I think for me, those games are good games, right? Don't get me wrong, but like, I, I think it's a very clear top and bottom half for me. Uh, I agree. Of games I like this year, but my top five are really good. Nothing great, though. We're not talking, I don't have a Last of Us Part Two on my list here this year. I also do not, but I think, yeah. Anyway, we'll, but we it's still a good it. top five. And, and yeah. I, you know, uh, I think uh, I enjoyed all of these games for different reasons. And my number five game, the first one, and by the way, I, 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 we, we, any of these games, maybe ask me again, maybe I'll play them more. I really do feel like most of them are pretty interchangeable for me. Um, yeah, having like this list is arbitrary. <laughs> and like, know, if yeah. you ask me next week, I'd probably change these things around just as I think about it more and whatever. But yes, I but agree. I don't feel like I changed my top five. Like, I, I, you know, the only one of my top 10 that that might somehow like scoop in there would be maybe Marvel's. But there are way more cons to Marvel's than any of the next five that I have. Um, yep. So my number five game is a game we've already talked about on this list. And that game is Deathloop. There you go. And, you know, just to add a little bit more uh, to that, I enjoyed so much about this. Um, I uh, liked playing it. I was thinking about it between play sessions. Um, I got a little bit addicted to it by just, like, constantly, like, like wanting to come back and play it. Um, I enjoyed the, the kind, like, it was a weird thing because about halfway through, this game became, like, one of those podcast games that I always joke about, about, yeah. like, just, like, putting out a podcast or doing something else while I'm just going through the, the, the motion of trying to get through some of the middle stuff. And I know that sounds like a negative thing, but I loved it. Like, it was fun to just kind of experiment in that sandbox. Um, I, I appreciated it's how it was linear enough that I never felt overwhelmed. But then, like, uh, how you said when you platinumed it, you were open to so many more things that this game had to offer um, than you first were like aware of, like how there was like more like ways you could go about stuff and like, oh, I've never done that, but I could have done that. Um, and there's always like something different to do in it, um, whether it's the obstacle course um, mm -hmm. or like the, uh, I think the, what's the, what's the level? It's the best level in the game. It's the one with the obstacle course in it. Like the downtown the area? Yeah, the downtown area, whatever that was. Is yeah, that called downtown, yeah. uptown, uptown, whatever. So, yes, yeah, so, yeah, whatever. That right. Like that. That's like there's so much in that. I think that level is like the best level in the game, and it's just so interesting and how filled it is, and how small it is, and how that level changes so much depending on what time you come uh, throughout the day. And I think they all have that kind of variance. That there's just enough there. I think from a game design standpoint, this game was impressive, and I've never quite played a game like this. Um, and, uh, it really took advantage of time loop mechanics in a way that, uh, made it interesting and I never mm -hmm. felt limited or rushed like 12 minutes. That was a game that you had the time loop mechanic in it. Um, but I always felt like I was either waiting just in a closet for something to happen <laughs> Or when I would experiment with something and I'd mess up and I'd miss something that I had to do, I was punished for experimenting. And not once in Deathloop did I feel punished for exploring and experimenting with things. Um, yeah. And I, I was very impressed with, my, with, with this game and uh, liked it way more than I thought I would at the beginning of the year. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I agree with you. <laughs> Damn it. See earlier comments. Number five, near replicant. Ah. Uh, it's, it's a good game. It's a good game. It's it's really good. It's it's. I've, I keep thinking about it. And I've been thinking about it for a whole year. Like turning over. Like it, it was is weird when you play it, but the more time you think about it, the more you really go, 
oh, that's kind of weird. And then when you hear, I mean, even when you think about like, how does this connect to Nier Automata? Um, which to me is a better game, but um, y- you sit back and you go, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And these small moments really connect two games that couldn't be set any further apart, you know, and set any differently. Um, yeah, I-, I think there's a lot going on in Nier that I really like, and there are moments that make me emotional. And I think, I mean, damn, that soundtrack um, really helps with that. But there are moments that make me really emotional, but it can also be funny and cute and uh, very heartfelt and oh, all of it's good, except for some of the bad parts. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, like you know, as we talked about getting those final endings, like I just didn't care enough to have to go back and, and replay it so many times to really see that final ending and, and things like that. But uh, there, there was still. If I had the time, I probably would have, you know, but good game. Yeah. That's and, all I have and I think. As I, I don't know if I, I hope I wasn't the one who dissuaded you from playing the game over multiple times again. No, it was the kind of thing where it was like the time. I, I just didn't have the time. Yeah. Um, the thing that like, even though by the time you get through the third and a half playthrough, the payoff isn't great. The cool thing is how it does fit so perfectly with Nier Automata. And yeah. how I was watching, I got down that rabbit hole once I beat the game and yep. platinumed it when I started watching videos about things that happened in Automata that made so much more sense in the context of Replicant and the same with Replicant and how the stories just kind of fill in very interesting ways. Like I can only imagine like you have that like Charlie Day meme uh, with all like the different like plot lines <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. being like traveled through between them. Like it is like such an interest. I just. I hope they were kidding about not making another one of these games because, like, me too. I would paid, be heartbroken. Uh, it's just there aren't not games like this made. Yeah, and it's so great and so interesting. Um, and you know, the more I sit on Near Automata, that is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Yes, and I love yes. it. And this game's good too. <laughs> and that's the thing. This game, this game is also good because it's in conversation with Near Automata, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and because it sets up a lot of that stuff. But you can definitely see where this game paid off Yep, all that stuff. Um, and hey, listener at home, you're out here being like, um, Near Replicant is a remaster? Yeah, well, they did a lot of work to it to make it not that original <laughs> game. <laughs> I would say it is a significant, significant improvement um, over from what I've seen of that first game. Yeah. Not, not even just visually, I mean, just like from the gameplay perspective and, and that sort of stuff. So that's why it's here. What is yep. your number four, Justin? My number four on my list is a game I never would have thought would be on my list, just like Deathloop. So far, my top, <laughs> like two of my top five games of the year, yeah. I would have never, ever expected to be on my top 10. Yeah. Not, not even counting my top five. And that game is Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread, or as Atlanta calls it, Metroid Droid. <laughs> yeah, good game. That's a good game right there. It is a solid game. Uh, and I I was... It's not that I don't like Metroid games. Um, I, I sometimes find games like that frustrating. I sometimes find games like that not just fun to explore and walk around with. Um, I yeah. go back to my problem with um, Hollow Knight and how I constantly felt lost in Hollow Knight. And yeah. how I think yeah. the difficulty of Hollow Knight at a certain point it was just too hard. Um, it, you got too lost. It was just not, I, I felt like there's so much time I wasted in that game. 
Mm-hmm. I felt like Metroid Dread, there were still some parts where I was exploring around, but like it's pretty obvious to like, oh, this place is unexplored. Let's go in this direction. Or Well, it's cool. They've got like that map feature where like it like sort of flashes if you haven't been yep. in if you haven't found everything in there, which is great because it's like, oh, there's still more to see. And, like, and sometimes that is just missile pods, but sometimes it's like, oh, this is how you proceed. Right. One of the best maps uh in a game like this that that I, I, yes. I played. Yes. It just made a lot of fun. Um, and I really do like the Metroidvania kind of like exploring stuff. And I think that's why I like Resident Evil Village, because that is kind of like you have these like different zones that you're going in and yeah. how you explore and they're all interconnected to a point. Um, so I do like playing those games. It's just I get frustrated with them. In this game, I was never frustrated for the wrong reasons. Like, I think there's times when you're supposed to be a little frustrated at some of these bosses that, you know, yeah. frustrated maybe is the wrong word. It's challenging. And it's not like you get you don't get through it on your first time. And there's a couple times when I got to that boss and I was like almost done beating it. But then like something new happened or a change happened. And I just messed up and I was like, damn it, I missed it. But I never felt like the game was being unfair. Um, and how the game requires you to go through so many of the same areas several times, but they make it fresh every single time. So Mm -hmm. from the beginning of that game to the end of that game, it's just constantly different stuff happening. Plus it's fun as hell to move around that game. By the time you are done, you're like booking it right. By the time you have all your upgrades, you are just flying around that map. You are feeling powerful, but never to the point where it's just like, not like, like it's, ending easier obviously but it's still like a good challenge to play that game and get through these areas and stuff and yeah um and the bosses are just uh you know i think they were so much fun because they were puzzles and then that last boss is such a good boss fight because it's like a puzzle but then it's also like the skill aspect of it and um i think the one thing that could get frustrating about that last boss fight is that by the time you get to that third phase of the boss it's taking you a long time to master the first phase. Yes. Taking yes. a long time to get through that second phase. So it's that first, like all those new move sets, you're a little, it's rough the first time, but eventually you master the first and second one. So you can pretty much get through that immediately. And, um, I probably could go back and get through that boss fight maybe in two tries. If I would start, start it right now, first time to just refamiliarize myself with the controls. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> right, yeah. no, no, no. I, I don't I know if say, I could do that. Cause those controls, there's a lot to do in that a little game. Wild. Yeah. Um, so I might but have that's to the do thing too. Right, like, like, for me, the reason why I think a game like this is challenging and satisfying, whereas other games that, pe- like, hard games that people love, I just, I just don't like really jive with, is because when you lose, you kind of go, oh, I just, I guess I'm just not, I, have, I haven't mastered that mechanic yet, and the game goes, all right, master it, we'll wait, <laughs> you know, like, like, it's not like you get killed because oh, I had no idea. Uh, because you got killed from something random that you had no way of predicting and and whatever you got killed because you messed up yeah and the game goes that's fine just do it again just tr- take it again yeah what a good game man and like and i think i would have spent a lot more time in it too if it had a bo- boss rush mode where after you, you're done you could just you know redo all those bosses because for me that's the major highlight well, they do have a boss rush mode. It's called speed running it. Like when these people are speed running this thing and like beating the game in like an hour, I'm like, you're it's stop. insane. Just stop. It's insane. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not where I get my fun in video games. But the fact that this game can be speed run and like if you know what you're doing, you can like book it through this game. I think that's cool, too. It like extends the playthrough in that game because I don't know if I want to play a new game plus or playing on hard again. I don't know if that's my right. That's not my fun, but uh, there's definitely ways even I think I beat this game, in, what, eight, nine hours um, yeah. I think there's still ways for people to go back and get that replayability and have fun with it. But I mean, even the story's great. Uh, it's, you know, cut down. It's basically three cutscenes. 
But like, I mean, fifteen lines of dialogue. Right. But <laughs> you know, like, they yeah. build in an interesting way. They create like they add a lot to the the Metroid lore. <laughs> I say that with with a laugh. I I watched several lore videos on Metroid to like kind of like see where this like placed in it. Um, yeah. But they even do a good job, unlike certain games um, on our lists, uh, Halo Infinite, about like setting up what happened in the past games to get you ready for this game. So if you just come into it, you can go forward. And essentially, this game is kind of rebooting it in a, in a sense, right? Like because it's the finale, and right. it's just like what, whatever happens now is you know whatever. Yep. So um, some great stuff. And again, I would never have thought this would have been on my top 10 list, let alone my number four game of 2021. But here it is. Yeah, weirdly enough, me too. Uh, Metroid <laughs> is my number four. Um, for all the reasons described, uh, it's so good. And and I'm, as we've said, I'm more of a story guy than a gameplay guy. And this game is just that good that the gameplay made me just really, really get into it. Um, yeah, good game. <laughs> number four <laughs> All right, what's, what's number three i mean i don't think i need to talk about it anymore because i just i agree exactly with what you said um what do you got number three my number three game of the year is another game that i would not have expected to be on my top 10 list <laughs> number three? another game wow. that i am shocked is even in my top five and that wow. game is one that uh i i was shocked was your number seven game halo infinite i love this game i think it's great i think uh, the, the far cry nature of this game, and I hate to like just limit it to saying it's far cry. Um, it's just so fun to explore that world. And the most fun I had in that game is everything in between the story missions. Not that I didn't like the story missions. Cause I feel like there's a good, there's a good pace in the game about having your corridor moments and then getting out of that corridor and opening it up and then yeah. doing something else. And even like turning that, that, that one part of the game where you are in, um, you get you crash land in that little island, and you have to like break those three guns down. Like that was the perfect, that was the best mission of the game. Yeah, it was like the opinion. perfect yeah. the perfect mixture of like corridor moments to open world exploring to boss fight in the middle. That was a little frustrating at times, but like it, it was just like that was such a good moment, and it like that's not the kind of open world halo game that you get. Like it may be like, you know, I always go back to that first mission in halo. The, that is kind of like the, the, the second mission in the first halo. Um, I think called halo. I uh, believe it's called. Halo. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you have like, you can go in any of these directions to like do this. And it's kind of open world with how you do that, but it's really not fun to explore that world. If anything, it's just, there's, a there's nothing there. It's padding. Yeah. It's empty. It's whatever. But this one, nothing was ever empty. There's always something to explore, whether it is a, you know, a grunt tower with the, with the stuff happening to a random weapons cache that through what you see in that weapons cache or if there's a recording of some sort there that you know kind of explains what happened there whether it is intentional or it, there's like such little details in that game that are just awesome and i think that mm -hmm. world is just the right size that once you unlock uh the the flying machine uh, what's the name of the uns wasp the what the wasp the wasp once you get the wasp yeah. and like you can like just fly up to the top peak jump off <laughs> and then yeah. grapple onto something if you can hit it or you just go to the ground and whatever like it just opens up that world in a way that is awesome and if there's literally any place in that world that you see you can go there um mm -hmm. well i mean like in the map not the well, generally yeah yeah, generally. yeah no yeah, yeah. um and I just I think, had so yeah, much fun, and I know we disagree on the story, but I think 
they did an interesting like I I didn't like Halo stories since Halo 1 because they just started to get so weirdly convoluted and reliant on other material and other things that even Halo 2, one of my biggest complaints with Halo 2 was always like, well, how did we get uh, what's his face back from the Halo ring? Like something as like, uh, uh, sure, yeah, yeah, like something as big Classified. as that. Like it just happens, and it's just like, oh, it's fine, whatever. You you, you don't need to know or, or read the book between it. Um, so that's why when it happened in Halo Infinite, I was just like, whatever. I'll just read between it. I'll I'll move on and I'll, like get the action yeah. going, whatever. Um, but I think what Halo uh, Infinite does that Halo Two doesn't necessarily do with that is it does at least slowly start to make things make more sense as the game goes on. So by the time the end happened, there were still a lot of questions about what did happen before, what's going to happen next, um, what's this time travel thing, like even them setting up that time travel thing in a very subtle way near the end of the game is just interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, where are they going to go with this? And um, they had a way of making a halo ring, again, interesting and mysterious. And why is it there? We still don't know why this halo ring is there. Um, So... I think this saved Halo for me, and I would have never thought I would have been looking forward to the next version of Halo as much mm-hmm. as I'm looking forward to the next version that comes after Infinite, um, because this game was so refreshing to me, and I enjoyed it so much. Um, so uh, Halo Infinite, for some some way, you got into my top three video games of 2021. And I'll, I'll say... Oh, good. For for some way, I have to say that I believe that it is the grappling hook oh, I that gets it there because it's because yeah. it, I think that the grappling hook changes up the gameplay to make it so fun that it just it's like all right I'll give you a shot you got a cool grappling hook and then you play the game you're like oh this is awesome and the grappling hook makes this awesome well and, it, and I think that's what makes the traversal fun too um, yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. it just helps the traversal aspect of it too that I think it would if it was just normal Halo and your slow ass moving Master Chief with a light sprint nope. that wouldn't be fun nope. to do or even just vehicles, that wouldn't be the fun thing to do. Um, But it just made it so much fun to explore and to clear out those bases that I wish there was more. And I really hope they do stick with that and update the single player regularly. And all that being said, I enjoy that, that, that single player. I barely touched the multiplayer, and I know people are loving the multiplayer aspect yeah. of it. Um, and I know people are saying it's getting stale. There needs to be more maps. Some of the good maps aren't in rotation enough. They need more game modes. Well, that's only going to come sooner. So this game is only going to get better once you have the co-op come in, once you have Forge come in, once you have more of these updates come in. So the the the, the arrow is only trending upwards with this. And for this to be a top three game with me not even thinking about multiplayer, I think is awesome. And I think that yeah. just states on that this game, if we're talking about who it's servicing, maybe the the campaign without the co-op isn't for the hardcore fans. But I think that multiplayer, that's for the hardcore fans. And that's the place where hardcore fans can at least, you know, get those old feelings of playing Halo 1 in their friend's basement again. Um, totally. So Halo Infinite, how are you on my top three list? Uh, but you are. I agree with you though. I think it saved the series for me. Yeah. For like for my personal enjoyment of it. Like even if even though it's at my number seven, doesn't mean it's a bad game. Um, my number three, Justin, is the Forgotten City, which I you didn't finish, did you? I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, I think it is a game that is not afraid to just say just just be what it is um and that is a fun puzzle adventure game i think the one time the weakest moment of it i don't know if you got to this part uh there is a completely uh random like 
archery combat section? <laughs> Did you get there? No, no, no. Oh, um, well, you do a bunch of archery combat for 30 minutes and it's super out of place. Um, but the rest is just conversations with people and trying to think your way through these problems. And uh, that is something I am heavily into. And on top of that, I think like it's well written and the voice acting is on point and it's a time loop game that sort of makes you think that it tricks you into thinking that it's not really a time loop game because the, like the time loop is is sort of inconsequential inconsequential like i feel like a lot of these games are about breaking the loop and whatever and this one kind of is i guess but it's more about like solving the problem to get yourself out and the ending which i won't spoil here uh, but the ending is pretty satisfying for what happens to everyone that's in the titular forgotten city um I liked it a lot. So I know I know we're going into we're we're not necessarily like this might be for a the the site's top ten list later mm-hmm. um, to talk about like the spoilery stuff because I think that would be p- potentially important for me to hear some of like where this story goes and stuff like that. And let me let me tell sure. you, I don't foresee myself ever uh, going back to play this game again. Um, Interesting. I it it's just like this. Call this controversial. All of what we said about 12 minutes, I would rather go back and play 12 minutes than play this game what? again. What? Um, Why? Because I feel like though that puzzly stuff was more fun to do than some of this stuff. Um, I think the characters are kind of interesting <sighs> wow. in here. I think the world they set up is kind of interesting in here. But I just think the game just feels slow. The game is... it. it I mean, with the exception of the of the archery part, it's like a slower text adventure game to me. How how long, how far did you get? Uh, how long did you play this? Two hours into it. Mm, you're right on the edge there. Yeah, because uh, because the thing is, when I started, I was like overwhelmed. I was like, this is a little too much. There's too much happening. But I muscled through it a little bit and just took it one little quest at a time. And then by the end, you're like, each time they say, "Oh, I, I got to figure out how to do this," you go, "I know, I got it, easy." Got it. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think that 12 minutes thing is fucking busted insane. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I found like every... When I when you sort of discover like where that game goes, not even with the spoiler alert, major incest 12 stuff. 12 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. But like where you figure out where it actually goes, it's just pretty bad for me. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Whereas the Forgotten City, like the gameplay is to me quite interesting because it's so much of, well, here's a problem. How do I solve this? Well, I guess I can't solve it with the information I have. So I guess I'm going to go try and do something else. Oh, well, this person's problem kind of intersects with this person's problem. So let's just have this happen. Oh, can't do it because I got to restart the loop. Okay, great. Well, then let's take care of that and all that sort of stuff. And it has um, the best character in any sort of game like this. was his name Gladiolus? Yeah, yeah, he's the the guy, the the strong guy, right? Who's like doing push-ups when you meet him? No, okay, so I'm thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of the guy who is waiting for you outside of the the gate. As soon as you walk in, um he you basically say, I'm in a time loop, I know everything about you, here's what I need you to go to take care of. So you don't have to keep redoing all this stuff. And he just instantly believes you and um he uh goes and takes care of he, he basically is the person who's keeping your progress alive so okay we well, need to save that woman from being killed from whatever poison she ingested all right yeah go take care of it um 
I think I just think it's writing is really cool. I think it's conversation about like what is right and wrong and who decides what is right and wrong and who decides what sins are and how do laws get made from there. Like I, I think that's pretty cool. And then also, I mean, I'm a sucker for, I mean, I wanted to be a history teacher when I was started college. So like the, my love for where it goes with the history of Greek gods and then, or Roman gods, which is then the history of Greek gods, which is then the history of Egyptian gods, which is then the history of Sumerian gods. And it deep dives into all of that, which I think is just really, really cool. Um, yeah, we, we can talk about some of those spoiler stuff. I think when we are deciding the, our actual top 10 list of hit box. Cool. Um, number two. let's go into my number two game of the year. And that Peter is a game that I just played on my Nintendo Switch. Oh. But not a Switch exclusive, but I'm going to argue that the Switch is the only place you should play this game. Sure. And also, to make things even more complicated, I purchased this game twice this year. And that you game, have it on the PS4, yeah, right? Yeah, for PS5 and yeah, or five, I mean. Switch. Do you know what game this is? Well, I'm I'm looking at it right here. Oh, I wrote it. I, I wrote it down. It's chicory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you could see that yet. <laughs> uh, chicory. Uh, I, I so have you played this game? I know you started it. I started it, and I saw what it was doing, and I was like, I'm sure this is great. I just for whatever reason couldn't get into it. And I don't necessarily blame you for that. Um, the, so the the best way I can describe chicory. It is a, uh, a a Zelda game that meets a coloring book. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and another way to kind of like set up this game is that it is made by the same people who made uh, a game that you really enjoyed and a game that I enjoyed a little bit mu- uh, as well. And I think it's one you played this year for the first time. And that is Celeste. This is by them? I'm. Uh, now, now that you're saying that... Uh, Celeste Studio. Interesting, because if this is by Celeste, then the, the people who made Celeste, then it. I have feelings about that. Oh, really? Okay. Let me... Well, I, I just I think that Celeste is so excellent, and I didn't dislike this game, but I was like, okay, I see where you're going with this. I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I don't know where to pick up. So Chicory. So Chicory uh, uh, is actually um, made by uh, someone named Greg Labanov, um, who was a okay. writer on Celeste. So he was one of the gotcha. writer assistants on Celeste, um, and he also wrote, uh, designed Wander Song, Coin Crypt, Phantasmophobia, and Escape from the Underworld, whatever. But um, so he had he had his foot in Celeste. He was also on quality insurance on Celeste. Was special thanked in Celeste. So there is a connection there. Um, okay. So he had some uh, some uh, help in that. But so the game is on its surface like a Zelda game where your tool, your weapon, your master sword is a paintbrush. And you yep. basically control the paintbrush with your um, uh, uh, with your right joystick, and you can kind of paint wherever on this black and white world. The game starts with the world losing color, and it's basically your job to um, put color back into this world. Um, you are basically starting off as this little janitor, um, and it's named whatever your favorite food is. Uh, so in that exact moment when it asked me to name what my favorite food was, I didn't know this would be the name of your character. Um, I said breadsticks, um, and they, they awesome. changed it to just breadsticks. So everyone was calling my little white dog a uh, breadstick throughout the game. 
Um, And basically you're a janitor for the wielder who uh, is basically the the person who is in control of this magical brush whose job is to paint in the world and keep the world filled with color. So you are cleaning up this studio where the wielder lives, and all of a sudden the color goes away, and you leave the place, and you find this, this brush, uh, the wielder's brush just there, and you pick it up, and then all of a sudden you become a wielder. And the wielder's name is Chicory, uh, and then it's kind of like, well, why did this brush get left behind? What happened to Chicory, yeah. and why did the world suddenly lose all of its color? And the whole game is basically finding um, out those mysteries, but also like finding your inner strength as your little dog Breadstick mm. w- w- uh, runs around this kingdom called the Luncheon Kingdom, in which everyone's named after food, by the way. So every character is a different food that you're naming. Chicory is yep. that? What's a chicory? What kind of food? That's a bean. Uh, a chickpea is a bean. So what's a chicory? I don't know. It's... And you can get chicory coffee if you go to uh, New Orleans. I know it's a famous thing. It's what a plant is a plant? Yeah, somewhat woody, perennial, herbaceous plant. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an herb. Oh, okay, so it's an herb. So your little herb. Um, but basically, the 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 game starts off with like very uh, few traversal options. You basically have a paintbrush that can just paint things. Um, but mm-hmm. then you start doing things like getting an upgrade by allowing uh, things you paint to glow in the dark. So suddenly you can get in these caves that are dark and then it can like make them light up. And eventually you get this move that allows you to uh, like go underneath all the things that you paint and you can kind of like travel under things and you can move a lot oh, faster cool. doing that. Uh, eventually you can paint water because there's these worlds that these areas that you go in and like it's raining and all of your paint goes away real quick. So you can't like actually keep any of your paint down. Eventually paint becomes waterproof. Um, and, as you are just upgrading all this stuff, um, you not only are having a pretty well-designed uh, dungeon crawler type of game, but like you just have this really great story that's like about finding yourself and what do you do when you have expectations put upon you. Um, what do you do if you, uh, you know, are feeling like you have to help everyone else and like, uh, you know, there's a part in the game where you and your sister go out to get a, grab a slice of pizza. And she basically, you're talking about how it feels like, you know, you're, you have a lot of stuff to do and your sister's like, why do you always say yes to everything? And, you know, me as the gamer is like, well, that's because the game, I got to say yes to everything. But then when you think about like life, it's like, yeah, why, why do you always like say yes to do stuff when people ask you to do it? Like, do you want to, can you? And like, then there's a thing that they ask you to do like almost immediately after that. And it's, it's basically like you have to design a logo and if you say yes, usually you have to like draw on the screen like a logo or something yeah. like that. But then if you say no, which I did at that point because I hated doing that, they would just be like, okay, great, thanks. <laughs> and it was just totally <laughs> like you're not necessarily punished at all for saying no. And I was like, oh, that's a nice little lesson. But then the game just keeps developing with that and understanding like what happens to Chicory. Um, and basically there is this big uh, – do you mind if I spoil some of it? Go right ahead. Uh, there's this big kind of like fight that happens with Chicory and her mentor, who is the wielder before her. And basically, a wielder has to go through all these trials um, before they can actually pick up the brush and be the next wielder. So it was like Chicory wanted to be perfect to impress her master, and her master was like really hard on her and trying to keep her like you know like you have to do all this stuff and you have to keep like you you have to like you know if you want to be the wielder you have to be almost perfect. And then Chicory basically was stressed out by that put a lot of extra pressure on um herself and eventually burned herself out from doing the thing that she loved which was art 
and then your little like dog character um is like trying to like be nice to chicory and help chicory but then chicory is being really mean to you and eventually you start to build a friendship and then um you basically find out that the thing that took the color away from the world is this manifestation of all this stress anxiety and pressure not hmm. just from chicory, but the brush itself. So the brush becomes the bad thing in the game that you have to, by the end of it, like destroy and like fight. And, you know, the story is cute, but there's a couple moments in this game that are like really well done. I, at the very end of the game, you basically get all your upgrades um, and you go into the tower and you fight the last boss, and which is kind of like the paintbrush manifestation. And basically you lose. And you wake up in your bed at home, your parents all around you, and like there's like no music playing. And this game is like filled with like beautiful, wonderful music the whole time. There's like no music playing. You don't have your brush. Um, the world is like filled with all these grotesque, ugly manifestations from this brush. Uh, and you just have this like moment where it's like, what do I do? And you basically choose to like walk back. You choose to just stay in your bed, I guess. But eventually you just walk back and your, your character has a little frown on her face the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you walk back to the, the place where you had your, your, your uh, final boss battle. And like all the characters, they're like, oh, Chicory, I hope you're okay. I hope the world's not like this. I'm, I, I hope everything's going fine. And then you, you not Chicory, sorry, Breadstick. But then you see Chicory like right outside the tower. And then you have this moment where you're like talking to Chicory about what happened. And then you, you basically Chicory says like, I wish, you know, you could have this, you know, I could remember what it was like to paint when I could just paint and draw what I wanted to. And I didn't feel like I had to do everything for everyone else. And I wish I could just control that. And then like your character's like, yeah, I, m- I remember what that used to be like. I used to love doing art and I used to love doing it. I feel like I could just close my eyes and start drawing stuff now. And basically you have this moment where you create your own brush. You like basically like grow your own brush because oh, you're like having this inner thing. Um, and then you take that brush and you go back to fight the final boss brush. And then the two of you are fighting and the chicory comes back in and she made her own brush and she starts helping you. Um, and it's just like such like, I I don't know, like, everything about that game was just so fun, and the story was really, like, meaningful about, like, people who are artists and people who are creators and always feeling like you have to be perfect. I mean, you're someone who does, like, music and art and stuff like that, but, like, having that Mm -hmm. feeling like you put a song out there and you're like, oh, this isn't great, or I don't really love this, but then you put it out there and people like it, or you put something out there that you love and then people don't like, and you're like, but I love this thing, and, like, that kind of, like, dance that you're doing when you create art is just so, like, taxing on you, and you're kind of vulnerable, and I think this game just had a really great, like, story through all of that. So you add that story, you add how it connected directly with the gameplay, and I just really enjoyed playing that. It was probably, like, an eight, nine-hour game, Um, and if I were to, like, 100% it, it would probably take me a couple couple more hours, but um, it was just something that kind of took me off guard as I was playing yeah. along. Cause I was like, Oh, I think I know where this is going, but the execution of all those beats were so great. And really the development of the chicory character and your character breadstick or for me, my mm-hmm. breadstick, yeah. this was so great. And I, at the end of the day, like when I was done playing this, I was like, Oh wow, this, this is a really, really memorable <laughs> game. Um, yeah. so I, I, I mean, for all those reasons and more, it was definitely be both story wise and gameplay wise, uh, up on my list at number two. Excellent. Excellent. My number two, It Takes Two. Oh. Uh, 
I mean, like we've talked about this game to death, so I don't know if I necessarily need to even say that much more. You're doing the book. Hey, you're doing, what are you're you talking about? The book. Dude, it was so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> and we, we've talked about this a lot, so I don't think I need to maybe necessarily explain all of this here. But what, the story is horrible. Like it's just like really bad, like really, really bad. But the experience of playing it with someone is a lot of fun because you make that story your own because you just get to have fun with, with, you know, a loved one or a partner or whoever. Um, and not only is it fun to just sit down and play a game with someone, um, but it takes two is a very, very, very good co-op game in the same cut from the same cloth of something like portal Two, uh, like the co-op on that where, you just really have to work together to make it all work. And while that doesn't ever really pay off in a significant way in the, in the story, you are constantly doing new things in an asymmetric way that is just impressive. And it's just each time a mechanic starts to get a little old, you get a new one and you get to learn, do all sorts of different puzzles and, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff in the game too. That's um, completely optional complete like there's a lot of mini games in there that you do not need to do, you do not need to do um and it's just about having fun with the person you're with which i think is uh exactly what a co-op multiplayer game is supposed to be yeah i i think for me uh like I, we talked about this with it winning best story at the game awards complete complete lunacy and it is lunacy but i think the story of this game that's that's good is playing it with someone else and like having like such a good quality couch co-op game that yeah. is legitimately fun to play from messing around with the person you're playing with by jumping on their head to uh, doing the little mini games that are little competition based mini games in there that are like simple enough and fun enough to play um, to yeah. just like getting through the tasks and how you're right. There is so much different stuff in there that you can do. And it's just so varied that um, I, I, I think this game is a lot of fun. It's not on my top 10 list. Uh, Interesting. But what could your number one be? You should, oh, I yeah, know. You know, it's oh, not. It, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Go ahead. But uh, I, I think, I think it's definitely a unique game. And I mm. think with, yeah, I, I don't agree with it winning the best game of the year uh, at sure. Game Awards personally, but I understand how it could be in the top couple for a lot of people and how, yeah. you know, when you're really doing everything about like, what game did you have the most fun playing with this year? I think for a lot of people, the answer is it takes two because you get to play it with someone else, um, whether online or on the couch next to you. And I think that yeah. is just something you don't get enough in video games anymore. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Justin, what's your number one? Hit me with it. Uh, it's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And yeah. Uh, yeah. the re simple reason is if I'm going to make a pro-con list of all of the video games I played this year um, and uh, the one con I can think of this game is that I wish there was more of this game. That's not mm. quite a con. <laughs> sure, sure. Like, I know what you mean. I, I think there's everything about this game I just really enjoyed from how beautiful the game was to the gameplay aspects of it, to how each of the worlds themselves had a different like conceit to it that made it like not this, oh, we're going to another world, we're just doing another thing, whether it's the mm -hmm. time-changing world to the world where you have the skateboards to the world where it's a parade and you're like going through that. Like There's enough different interesting set pieces to keep it interesting on that level. But I think the combat in Ratchet & Clank is awesome. I really do enjoy 
playing with the weapons. And I think the way to play that game is to try to upgrade all the weapons. And once you upgrade it, go on to the yeah. next one, just so you keep getting new weapons and throwing them together. Cause sometimes it's like, Oh great. I hate these weapons that I have, but it still makes the game fun trying to, with the combination of weapons, just get through the different stuff. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, th- if this game is going to lack slightly, it might just be the story a little bit. I wish, yeah, I, I wish you got more of your original Ratchet and Clank cast, and you got a little bit more of those backstories a little bit. Because I can imagine if you never played the original Ratchet and Clank, when they make you meet some of their alternate reality versions, it's not as impactful. Yeah, and I wish they, I had no idea who anyone was. Right, and, and I wish like yeah. in the game they set all that stuff up a little bit better. And I've only played Ratchet and Clank 2016, and I did that this year too. Um, but uh, I mean, I, overall, this was a fun game from when I started it to when I ended it. The best platinum I got this year, but probably in a long time of just being fun to get without frustrating me to a point where I want to throw my mm-hmm. controller at anything. That's fair. That's fair. The, uh, the story is where it loses me. Uh, I actually really like Rivet. A lot, and I like the pair of Rivet and Clank. Uh, I thought Ratchet was uninteresting, <laughs> and I didn't think his story with Clunk was. Uh, I'm kidding. Her name is. <laughs> oh, um. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot this again. Rivet. What's the name of that little robot? It's not Clunk. Clunk. No. Um. Why do we do this? Best uh, game of Ratchet 2021. And, Ratchet and Clank. Rivet. Rivet and. Uh. Daisy. No. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like it'd be something like that. Uh, Kit, Kit, yeah, wow. <laughs> um, I thought I thought Ratchet and Kit were not. I didn't love their storyline. I th- thought it was fine. I liked what happens with Kit at the end, but I thought Ratchet was a little generic and didn't have much to say. Um, but I, I thought that the story just wasn't a whole lot. I thought it was not particularly interesting the gameplay is great it's gorgeous and i think that as a if you need to sell someone on hey what's cool about the playstation 5 you turn on this game and you give them a controller right um but the the story didn't do much for me other than it being a pretty like inoffensive (laughs) romp through space you know what i mean Not, not that everything needs to have any sort of grit or teeth to it but um yeah, no, I I can absolutely see why this is your best game of the year. Justin, my, do you not have, you have no idea? The only game I could guess, okay, I have two, uh, okay, I'm going to, yeah, what do you got? I, I, is it on my list? No. Then I don't know. <laughs> it is Returnal. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, this makes sense. Returnal kicks ass, and, like, at the time when I reviewed it and played it, I had to I had to crank that out in a week. Uh, it is not a game best enjoyed in a week. It is a game that's best enjoyed over a long period of time, and the, now that I've had several months away from it, I just want to go back, and... And and I'm interested in, like, would I be interested in getting the Platinum for this game? Maybe. Because I liked it so much. Returnal is challenging and punishing, and it feels unfair, but at the end of the day, once you get through it, you go, wow, I really mastered that, first of all. Second of all, it tells a story about, um, like... 
it, it doesn't tell a very linear story. So when I talk about like, oh, I really like the story, it's like, okay, well, what happened? I don't know, <laughs> really. Um, but I, I think it tells an interesting story about trauma and getting over um, things that happened to you when you were a child that were out of your control. And I think it does that through gameplay by having you revisit these horrible, <laughs> very challenging, punishing um, environments and having to just muscle up and get through it which is something I think is kind of cool. Uh, it's got some excellent boss fights. The first one is really good. The one at the piano is really good. It has the best use of the song. Um, uh, uh, there's like a there's a, a, a licensed song in the game? Yeah. Oh. I got it. It has the best use of the song Don't Fear the Reaper in any video game in 2021, which is pretty funny that you have to specify that, <laughs> but it's because Guardians of the Galaxy has also a very good use of the song Don't Fear the Reaper. Um, <laughs> but you have, a, you have a whole boss fight set to it, that song, and there's this thread of you chasing the, the notes of this song, and the whole time you're wondering what it is, and then when it's revealed, it happens in a cutscene talking about your parent, your mom. Uh, it, it's It's quite interesting. Uh, and mechanically it's the best game of the year for me. Uh, I think it does a lot of similar things to Ratchet and Clank in terms of being a great, um, example of what the PlayStation five can do. But I think that it really distinguishes itself because its weapons are so different from one another. And by that, I mean, Ratchet and Clank, all the weapons are super unique and weird, but in terms of how they feel in your hands, literally in the, the trigger of the controller, they all feel pretty mechanically similar to me whereas with returnal each one has a very distinct uh feeling to it so quite good i want to go back and, and and revisit it and i have to assume that it's even better than it was before because it's got photo mode and it's got that way to suspend your games so you don't have to worry about losing your save and i have to assume that a lot of its performance issues have been fixed as well i yeah i um think that uh this game would be on my list if i would have beaten it um sure uh, like and maybe not my number one game because I don't think it would be my number one game just because yeah. it's not my kind of top five game. I don't even know if it'd be my top five, but I uh, think it's a quality game from top to bottom. It's fun. The gameplay is good. The uh, music, the sound, the everything. Uh, yeah. I I think this was uh, you know uh, an awesome game that was released this year. I'm glad it's a Sony first party game as a shameless fanboy. Um, well, is it technically first party? It is now, but it is now. Um, it wasn't then, but yeah. It is now. I, I just think I, I just think like this is one of the first and one of the few so far released next gen like games. Um, yeah, and I think it uses so many of the features of the PlayStation Five well. Um, and uh, I I don't know if this is the place to talk about this. Um, so I kind of heard a story spoiler. Okay, I don't know where this comes in the game. Go right ahead. The part spoilers for Returnal. The part where you get off the planet, where you get off the planet, and it has an extra. Oh fuck! It's so good. So you, would you want to okay. talk about it just to like, yeah. to like say correctly? So, so there are there are six biomes in the, in the game, and the first three are the first like act of the game, and you finally kill this beast, and you finally are able to contact your uh, home, and and they come and they pick you up, and you get saved, and you rest, you get off the planet, and then. In a very fast montage cutscene, Celine, the character, lives the rest of her life. And as she's being and, and she dies, and as she's being lowered into the ground in her casket, she wakes up on Atropos again. Because 
every single time that she dies, I just I have goosebumps on my body right now thinking about that. Every single time that she dies, she wakes up at this crash site. So her death on Earth, it doesn't matter that she got to go live the rest of her life. She's stuck here. That's cool. That's cool. Like, I mean, that <sighs> like, like if we're thinking about a game, and again, I didn't beat this, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. How I said that, um, uh, okay, uh, Metroid Dread, yeah, has very little cutscenes in it, but like yeah. that story is still a really good story. I mean, I think mm-hmm. this game and how they tell the story and how they only like trickle out some of these cutscenes throughout the whole thing, they do such a good job of getting that emotional yeah. moment like that, like. Like that that is such a powerful things that video games can do. Um and that this game does that I think is amazing. I I want to go over every single story moment with a fine tooth comb because apparently it's all um I'm not particularly familiar with whatever mythology it was it was bringing itself out of. I think Greek maybe. Um or maybe it was Roman. Either way, um basically like you can look at all of these, there's all, all this symbolism built into it and, and with the name of different things. And you listen to the voice memos that you find from past versions of Celine who are talking about like, okay, I got further this time and, and all that sort of stuff. Damn. It's a good game. Um, it's the kind of game that's hard to revisit though, because that muscle memory is gone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gone. Um, but yes, that moment is one of the highlights, uh, narrative highlights of the year for me personally. And it's in a game that has, that lets the story take a little bit of a back seat. Um, but yeah, it, 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 Returnal is more about the mood than it is about its narrative, you know? Yeah. So, Justin, these are our top 10 lists. I'm going to read these in order. For you, we have number one, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. Number two, Chicory. Number three, Halo Infinite. Number four, Metroid Dread. Number five, Death Loop. Number six, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Number seven, Death Store. Number eight, Psychonauts 2. Number nine, Resident Evil Village. And number 10, Near Replicant. For me, I have number one, Returnal. Number two, It Takes Two. Number three, The Forgotten City. Number four, Metroid Dread. Number five, Near Replicant. Number six, Scarlet Nexus. Number seven, Halo Infinite. Number eight, uh, Persona 5 Strikers. Number nine, Deathloop. And number 10, Resident Evil Village. So, out of all these games, and it also, by the way, in our top 10, it could be a game that's not on here that we disagree is excellent. You know what I mean? So, like, if we, if we really come down to it, I don't think it's going to come to that, but... Um, I could be like, I think Maquette should be on here. It was a good um, game, but... It was a good game, but yes, I don't think it'll be in our top 10. Right off the bat, what do you think... How would you divide these? Okay, so I, if you click on the bo- the second tab of our doc at the bottom, I did the math from last year, the way we did it last year, to kind okay. of understand based on our ranking. So basically, first place got 10 points. I, wait, this is wrong. Uh, what am I looking yeah, yeah, no, at? Here? So, okay. So, oh, okay. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. I so, see. Uh, I, I put point values to this, and this is not what our ranking is. This is just a place to start. Um, yeah. This is if you give all both of our top 10 uh, points uh, with the first place game getting 10 points and the 10, 10th place game getting one point. Um, this is what this, this is what the, the, the ranking would look like between our two lists combined. Okay, gotcha. Metroid Dread is our best game at 14 points. Okay. Our second best game is Halo Infinite at 12. Our third best game is Returnal um, at 10 points. Our fourth best game is Ratchet and Clank tied with Returnal for 10 points. Um, uh, our 
fifth best game is It Takes Two. Our fifth uh, or sixth best game, or tied with that, is Chicory. The Forgotten City is our seventh best game at eight points. Deathloop is uh, eighth place at eight points. Um, Near Replicant is ninth place with seven points. Scarlet Nexus is 10th place with 10 points. Gardens of the Galaxy is 11th place with five. Death's Door is 12th place with four points. Resident Evil Village is 13th place. Psychonauts 2 is 14th place. Persona 5 Strikers is 15th place. Okay. So, I mean, that, that was probably uh, audio garble for all of you, but that was at <laughs> least a way for us to rank them. Basically, and, Metroid and so Dread I've, was our, our top five is Metroid Dread, Halo Infinite, Returnal, Ratchet & Clank, It Takes Two. And so I've bolded here. Uh, so here are the, the games that overlapped on our list. Metroid Dread, Halo Infinite, Deathloop, Near Replicant, and Resident Evil Village. I think those are some good games to start. Let me just say it. Out of all of these, if I, if, out of all of these, I think you and I could probably agree, and this is buck wild. I think it's Metroid Dread for number one. <laughs> based on based on the fact that I love it, seems like you love it. Uh, I, like I, I think I could agree with you on that as being a fantastic game, right? Like truly exemplary. Whereas some of your other ones that are higher, I take issue with. Is that is that insane to say? I mean, it's insane to say for our podcast as I people mean, who like that's what the numbers ago, like, hey, say. But I, I do think there are better arguments for some other games to be the top game of this year that we could come to a conclusion with. I mean, it might end up that way, but I don't know if we should start with the with the top game yet. Okay, we should try to okay. eliminate games first because we have fifteen games now. Yeah. So, uh, I think out of the ones that we have both picked together, mm. do you think Resident Evil Village? is the top 10 game on this list. I do. Based on our conversation, do you? I would say that we're I'm we're going to have to make sacrifices, I think, and I would mm. say even though we both have that on our top 10 list, I think there are other ones that were higher on both of our lists that we don't have in common that could push that one off. Let me say it like this. We can go ahead and drop Persona 5 Strikers. Okay, so we're down to 14, so no Strikers. <laughs> we can get rid of Death's Door. Perfect. Because I, I liked it, but I don't think you liked it enough to even have that conversation with. I, I would if you were truly passionate about it, but the fact it was, what, five or six? Seven for you. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have. Yeah, a, like, if you were in love with it, I would talk about it a little bit. Uh, what else can we drop I, here? I would say um, it wasn't on your top ten, Psychonauts 2. I liked it, but there are definitely other games that I think you and I are both more passionate about um, that, that would be an easy cut I agree. I have I, I liked it, but my gripes with it are big gripes. <laughs> big old gripes. Big old gripes. Um, so we are hmm. down to 12 games. There are two more games that need to be cut. And that's why I think one of them could be Resident Evil Village. Because I think there are other ones in our top that, that we'd have more fight over. Like, for example, um, I know I technically had um, uh, Scarlet Nexus on... Uh, as not on my list, but it was my 11th best game. I could make an argument of Scarlet Nexus over Resident Evil Village. How, let me say it like this. I loved The Forgotten City. You did not like The Forgotten City at all. Correct. I I mean, it's your top three game. I think if we're talking about like as a website, I don't think like... I, I, 
I wouldn't say it would be in the maybe the top five of the website, maybe, but that's a decision sure, to make yeah, later. I still yeah. think it should be in the top ten. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, to oh, me, on this fuck. list, the only game that I don't like, yeah, is the Forgotten City. But okay, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, let's. So for so here's what's at the bottom for me. For me personally, looking at this list, Scarlet Nexus, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I, I surprised myself that I didn't put on the list, but it was either that or um, uh, Resident Evil Village. Okay. Um, so like Marvel, like Guardians of the Galaxy is probably like eleven for me. So uh, Resident Evil Village, Guardians of the Galaxy, Scarlet Nexus are the three on the bottom for me and chicory but because it's it was so high for you we're gonna keep it on here Uh, i'm fine with i'm fine with cutting resident evil village i i mean i'm just trying to look at i think you look at a lot of well but here's here's my thing for resident evil village that's a memorable game and i know that that's not the only thing for that makes a game good but like i'm going to remember resident evil village way more than i'm going to remember the things in Scarlet Nexus. I remember the protagonist, yeah. the two protagonists' name of Scarlet Nexus, Yubito and Kasane, and then pretty much everything else. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I would be okay with cutting Scarlet Nexus from this list. Yeah. Over Resident Evil Village, because okay. I, I did like Resident Evil Village better. And and again, and this is also not the defining like the the end all be all way to think about this but for me i'm like well what would i rather replay again right resident now evil village resident evil village yeah um goodbye scarlet nexus for for now i mean we might have an argument later I mean, it might turn That's out right. that resident evil village is our third best game of the year <laughs> <laughs> now that i think about it more it's like damn i really like yeah, that was fun that was fun all right so yeah. i i guess uh with 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 that let's i'm gonna just throw an arg- a, a thing out here to see what your thoughts are why should and I'm yeah, just going to use Resident Evil here. Village as the as the as the thing here? Why should Resident Evil Village stay on the list and not Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, we have both talked about how the first half of Guardians of the Galaxy is a little rough. I mean, to, to the point, it's rough to the point where I would say I do not like the first half of Guardians of the Galaxy. The combat not, and, or the whole thing? The whole thing. Okay. I don't like the characters. I don't like the combat. And you could say, ah, Peter, that's the point because then they grow and change. And I say, yeah, that's true. But it is also true that a, that like characters that I find to be grating and like irritating are still irritating and grating. Yeah. That's the intended experience, I guess. And the change that happens in them is, you know, much more than, than what happens with characters that you might like from the get it's still irritating and grating for that first little bit. Uh, and then I also think that the combat, while it does get better towards the end, and I do think it's fun towards the end, I don't think it is ever at any point better than the the combat and gameplay of Resident Evil Village. From a story perspective, how do you feel on that? Uh, from a story perspective, I would say that Guardians beats it. I mean, Guardians was like moving, like weirdly, like... I, I multiple times you have that that scene with uh with Drax and his family when you're like he's like this isn't like you have to understand this isn't real we need you we need you here to be in reality or whatever 
Uh, like that's that's quite moving, and and the change in those characters, so that when Gamora has her thing about I killed I killed Nebula, and the reason why we're I want to go stop Riker isn't because of how I feel about my past, but it's because I know where um, Nikki is headed. And like, wow, that's powerful. And then they had that moment where they all, it's kind of cut undercut with a joke, but they have that moment where they all sort of talk to each other and, and say, Hey, no, I love you guys. <laughs> like, yeah, like I love, like, that's great. That's great. And Resident Evil Village doesn't have anything like that for me. Yeah. I, so, I mean, if I'm looking at these two things and what kind of video games I like, I, I understand the, the the combat build of Gardens of the Galaxy is slow until you get to that near the end of the game. But I think if I'm looking at a game that if, I, if I'm putting a stamp on that, I think in terms of what we talk about and what we look for in a game, I think the story is enough to hold on to Guardians to get that to be something that holds a little bit more weight, at least on a joint list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Resident Evil Village is like fun in like a uh, in a very kind of like arc not arcadey, but like I, I think Resident Evil Village is fun. I don't know what it like pushes forward in any certain way, and I would say that Guardian story does push like narrative and storytelling forward in a very interesting way the fact that they can create this ensemble cast that you are mm-hmm. care about that have these interconnected relationships that at the end of that i was like i don't necessarily i, I don't need to see like another like chris pratt led guardians of the galaxy i do i want to see that but i also want to see another of these guardians of the galaxy story like where is this going to go from now like what's going to yeah. happen next with this and i think the <laughs> maybe it's a it, it's a critique of it to say that uh, this would make an awesome like mini series to watch <laughs> on like uh, netflix or something like that guardians, guardians or, of the galaxy or Evil. yeah, yeah. Re- guardians of the galaxy um and it just was such an interesting like large epic scale um story for me so mm-hmm. i don't know i i guess do you feel strongly about resident evil on the village uh, right- <laughs> Resident Evil and The Village. <laughs> Do you feel strongly uh, like, about Resident Evil being on the top 10 list? I get I will say when you put it like that, no. I well, think it's I a mean, great game. I mean, in, without Guardians next to it, do you feel strongly of it being on a top 10 list of the best games of this year? I think from the conversation that we had about it earlier, yes. And I would agree because I think like going back and like talking about it again, I think that uh, like going back talking about it and wanting to play it again still i think that is not doesn't happen with every game <laughs> right um, right so there's obviously enough that was done well um so what gets cut yeah uh the games i look at here that would might be in a conversation for this and i mean a part of this is going to be me fighting against uh gardens of the galaxy cuz do you have any like passion for keeping it as number 10 on the list guardians yeah yeah i mean I, I i like it i think it's great i think that story is excellent uh and, and again i think the gameplay gets better uh and i think that also the story works because i don't like it in the first half yeah. and that's how they win you over yeah, that's bastards. the point bastards yeah i know um but so yeah I, like because to me and this is just me and this is again we had different lists here to me i would like to see guardians and resident evil on here yeah so but so if that's the case i mean the the uh, the my first my first question mm-hmm. is 
is there a world where you see near replicant not on this list i guess so because the thing is it's a good game and i think about it a lot but i think that the reason why i like it so much is because it makes me go oh that's kind of interesting with near automata right right um which isn't bad but it does mean that i it, mean, it means that i think i like near replicant for what it is more than uh, I, I, it means i like what near replicant is about more than what it actually is yeah yeah um i mean the other the other uh side of the, the argument here is mm-hmm. on this list i you did not like chicory not like is that no, the wrong i didn't word. like it i you just weren't i thought it was passionate okay. enough to like finish it yeah i mean i think that's a telling sign to a certain point That said, you did like Forgotten City. That's true. To the point where you think 12 minutes, you would rather play 12 that minutes. That is true. So how about <laughs> this? Is, how about even we, more take, telling um, we take uh, Chicory and the Forgotten City on there. We make medium number 10. We keep Resident now, Evil Village as number 9. Now, hold on. Hold on. Number no, wait 8 a second. can then be Guardians of the Galaxy. Can I just say also, I was flabbergasted. You, you like messing with me. I <laughs> thought that I thought you were going to be like, number one, the medium. I couldn't believe that it didn't come up at all. Um... How, what if we do this? Well, back to the medium real quick, though. But in good consciousness, after replaying it again before we did the Alan Wake remaster thing, there's no yeah. way that was touching my top 20. I, not even a million like, and years, I, and right? I, mean, I liked it. I liked it. I did not like it. I think I said it was a solid seven. Yeah. Um. But like, like looking at the other games that I have to even cut off there, I mean, what game I played this year, probably the most out of every anything, uh, probably... It's either Pokemon Unite or Pikmin Bloom. <laughs> sure. Uh, for me, it's either probably Apex or... Hmm. I mean, probably Apex. Apex. <laughs> but... Oh, no, it's Persona 5 Royal. Oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Here's what I think we should we should consider doing. Let's move on with 11. Okay. And then as we sort of figure out the placements for these things, we can go from there okay that works does that make sense so how do you want to go do you want to go from start from the bottom do you want to start from the top what like what what feels right to you Uh, i think top five let's look at the top five okay um i'm gonna make a little list over here on our document right here (laughs) so i think for top five metroid jet dread yeah i would make the argument for halo infinite i i will grant that i would agree um I would say Returnal. Okay. Deathloop. Okay. And I might also see an argument, but I can't, that racist book, I can't put it takes two in the top five. (laughs) And then that's the thing too, right? Like, like the story is so bad, um, and, and I think I'm having a hard time as well removing. I mean, and this is just by the nature of what playing games is. I, it, I'm having a hard time removing my experience of playing it with my girlfriend and making a memory with her and doing that and having a great time with that from the actual game. Because I think the game itself is fun, but I think that story is so fucking bad, yeah. like bafflingly bad. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
What, what's your fifth top five game here? Like if we're tr- if we're thinking like of a together of a togetherness yeah. of our list. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't wouldn't that be near replicant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and specifically thinking about us on this website. That's not a website yet, but on this podcast, <laughs> on this Spotify page, <laughs> like how can how can you have a top five of our our page without having a near game on it? I think that's absolutely true, and I will I will champion near for the rest of my life. I mean, looking at this, I don't this to me. I would agree with this f- top five list right here. I would agree. Would you agree with it in this order of Metroid One, Halo Two, Returnal Three, Deathloop Four, Near Five? Um, what would you flip? I would probably flip Deathloop and Returnal. I am cool with that, though. I would still though. So, but I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot out there like I'm just gonna say what like <clears throat> game of the year. 2021 hitbox halo infinite okay i have, I have feelings i i can't <laughs> i can't they i can't they did so dirty that campaign is so and i i get that as as someone who's not really a halo fan them sort of ditching the halo continuity isn't a big deal and i'm not trying to say it's a big deal because like it's a video game but like it, it was enough for me to be like, why would you do this and please no one? You know, if you want if you want to commit to your Halo 5 story because you guys stand by it, that's awesome. Commit to that. You want to go back and redo a, a, a story that's similar to the Bungie games? Do that. But with Halo Infinite, it's like, this is for no one. Like, like yeah. I, I guess my question is, what uh, what's stopping Metroid Dread from being one? We will be talking about Halo Infinite for far longer than Metroid Dread. And I think, like, mm, for the fact mm. that Halo came out this year, yeah, when it was supposed to come out last year, with everything yeah. stacked against it, and it might not be the best Halo for everyone, but the fact that it's in a conversation, is this the best Halo of all time? In that conversation. And sure. you add that with the multiplayer, I think this game is going to have legs, and maybe, like, looking at the future isn't the best thing to talk about Game of the Year in 2021, but the fact that this game came out and it's a legitimately good game with flaws, I think is going to, I think is, is a special thing for it. However, that's fair. With that also being said, there are plenty of negative things about it. Not only uh, do you know, you have complaints with the story. Um, the co-op thing, not being there at launch, I think is maybe not necessarily a problem for us. Cause I don't think, you know, that, w- w- that wouldn't have been my first experience playing that, that campaign. Yeah. Um, forge mode would have been nice for some of the multiplayer stuff, but I don't know. Um, but I think Metroid dread, the con for it is that that was my experience with it and I'm done with it. Yeah. But I, I, like I'm hesitant to make that be a measure because that, there are that's not the point of metroid dread right i mean like there's no multiplayer mode so that's fine and there shouldn't be because what would that be yeah yeah um, but but like 
there are no legs, I guess, for you and me as people who are just casual now, I guess, new fans of this series. Whereas for the speedrunning community, there's so much. And, and for people who are trying to perfect those boss fights and, and do no damage runs, there's so much there. Whereas for Halo, that campaign has no legs for me. I'm, d- I'm done with it. And I, I did all the stuff that is in the open world. And I went, all right, <laughs> got the achievements, I guess. But I'm, I'm out, you know, there's legs because it's also connected to a free to play multiplayer shooter. That's going to have seasons and, and whatever else. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily makes it a better game than a game like Metroid Dread, where for me, pound for pound, Metroid Dread is a better game moment to moment. Whereas Halo Infinite, there is more of, but it's a little bit thinner. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and I do think like to me, like I don't dislike Metroid Dread, right? Yeah, I think I think yes. there's enough negatives in Halo Infinite to like not make that the websites or the or the podcast game of the year though. Yeah. And when with the the length thing, I guess the way I'm trying to conceptualize that is the fact that there is more Metroid Dread. I have no interest in going back and playing it hard mode. I have no interest yeah. in going back and speed running it nor will I ever do that. Halo Infinite, I could see myself going back and if they have updates and stuff like that play that later but that's in the future they also have the multiplayer which i didn't really get into now because that's not necessarily my thing how are right. what are your thoughts on the multiplayer oh i mean the multiplayer kicks ass i mean like it's really good um but because it is it is just injections of the best part of halo infinite's campaign right the you, when you get the grappling hook it's like oh shit um when you get any of those power weapons, it's just it's so immediately fun. And um, I think all the game modes, for the most part, are really, really excellent. Uh, and if it were just the multiplayer alone, I would say, yeah, I could I would put this as the game of the year. But fortunately, it's connected to the campaign, which I just found to be extremely disappointing in a lot of areas. Whereas Metroid Dread, I wasn't disappointed by anything, but there is also less to it. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I-, I think, though, I mean, that argument in itself, and, and not that, again, I'm not, like, voting as Metroid Dread, um, no. but I think that argument of itself that, and I guess this is, I guess this is the more shocking thing, the fact that without the campaign, <laughs> the multiplayer alone might have been a game of the year for you. <laughs> Wait, that, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? It's just, it's like... Because the can because the multiplayer is so good. And I think what the, the hardest part about the campaign isn't that it's bad. Because, again, like, the gameplay is good you know using the grapple hook that's all fucking great using those um the like fusion coils and throwing those it's so good but it's just that this the campaign missions i find to be completely uninteresting and don't use those good they don't use what makes the open world fun there's so many times you're just confined to a hallway all of those boss fights are horrible because it's a, a big bad guy charges at you with a gravity hammer, which you can't take more than one hit of. So, you know, you're just like zipping around the room, just sprinting, chipping away at health using an assault rifle and whatever, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, that multiplayer is so good. That's it. That's a very interesting thought though, that if it wasn't around, if that campaign wasn't around, I probably would be a game of the year. It's, it's frustrating because you look at it and I see like, Oh, what they could have done with all these things. And I don't make games. So it's not really, you know, my place to be able to say, oh, well, they should have just done this because the hell do I know? Uh, but I think it's frustrating because of what it's not. And while I do appreciate it for what it is, 
I have a hard time being able to say like, oh, that campaign is the best Halo campaign. It's it's not. It's probably maybe the most fun, but is it the best story that they've ever told? I would absolutely say no. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Does that sound yeah. crazy? No, I, I I don't. I I think I I think your arguments for Halo not being the top game is way stronger than any argument I can think of of Metroid not being the top game. Okay, so if you okay, and also if you are against Metroid being the top game, what on here would you say that is not Halo Infinite? should be the top game. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to compare my list to it, the own uh, none, I mean, Ratchet and Clank, Chicory and Halo Infinite were my top three and Metro Dread was number four, right? So that those would yeah. be my arguments. I guess the other one I could make an argument for, I don't know if it's the strongest argument for, would be Deathloop um, being... Uh, higher than metroid dread but i i don't know how much like long term that argument would hold up and i personally enjoyed both halo infinite and metroid more than Deathloop. that's the thing too i walked away from like metroid dread you know those what are they they're like the little ice cream cones that you get from the store that they've got it's a king cone you know what I'm talking about? It's got it's a little ice cream cone yeah. that comes in a little yeah. package. It's covered in chocolate. And what what happens at the very end of a king cone? You take that last bite of the cone, and it's it's, it's filled it's with like, chocolate. And you go, oh, oh, like that's so good. That's and I, that's how, that's what finishing Metro Dread was for me. But I walked away being like very satisfied. So you're saying Death like, Loop was like one of those like sugar like cones with the with the point at the bottom, and there's like a hole in it. So like you yes, don't notice it yes. at first, but as the ice cream's melting, that just like goes through the bottom hole and, and eventually it's like ruins my, the whole experience. On my hands and on my clothes, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm sticking out for the rest of the day. <laughs> and, like, and like I feel like well, it was good. Like I like the parts that I like, but when I talk to some people, I'm kind of like embarrassed that I liked it so much. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, and my, my um, argument for Death Loop potentially being over Metro. Dread, whereas I think what Deathloop did is more interesting from a gameplay perspective and a design perspective and like all mm-hmm. the different parts of it coming together that I've never seen a game quite like Deathloop before. Um, I think that is why I would make that argument, but you could also make the argument the boss battles that were in Metroid Dread were some of the best boss battles and experiences ever. They made me, things I would normally hate by being stalked by something came out to be some of the more fun and intense parts of that game uh, with the, with Eve, not Evie's, the Evie's Emmys, Emmys, Emmys. Emmys. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Wally, Uh, (laughs) but like, those are like such tense puzzles that you had to solve um, that I thought were very interesting and fun to do. That's, that's very fair. I'm here's the thing. If you want to do death loop as one, I'm good with death loop as one. I would prefer Metroid Dread as one, which is insane, by the way. Like, cut to us at E3 this year being like, yeah, I don't know. Looks all right. (laughs) (laughs) um, Because it it just, to me, it's the difference between wanting, uh, you know, it's the difference between eating a really, really, really good apple, but it's kind of small, and eating a pretty good apple that's bigger, but, like, some of it's kind of mealy. Where, like, some of it's okay, some of it's not great, but there's more of it versus the, the Metroid dread of this whole thing is very tight. And once you're done in eight hours, you're probably done. Like there's not, you can't really like open up. You can't go back and explore really, or maybe you can, but what I'm trying to say is like, it's a tighter package, but yeah. I mean, I think but there's a lot more in death loop. I, I, I 
am not going to make that argument. I mean, I could. That would be the only game I could. I would potentially see moving up over Metroid Dread that we both yeah. liked. Because I was looking at the ones that we both highlighted. Um, yeah. Uh, near Replicant, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was going to um, say, like, we could just do Near Replicant, just make this an Emil show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about Resident Evil Village? I would put that one as number one. We both like that one. <laughs> well, And that's the thing, too. Like, that's why I was so afraid to cut it, though, because I'm kind of like, I mean, like, I would put, I would be down, like, if we couldn't come to, to a solution, I really liked Resident Evil Village. It sounds like you really liked it. Like, well, I don't think it's better than these games. Like, at the end of the day, I had fun with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know if you froze for a second. I was, oh I was no, I'm so sorry. Um, no, that's okay. that's the end of my sentiment. Okay, so um, Metroid Dread number one, then. Okay, great. Halo Infinite at number two. I'm I'm cool with that. Do you it can't a- be one, but it can be two. What? It can't be one, but it can be two. Okay, that's perfectly fine with me. And then Deathloop or Returnal. Do you have Do you have a specific hope for having those two? And the only reason I put Deathloop over Returnal is because I did not have Returnal in my top ten yeah and um, per- yeah go on I, I just looking back at which i would go back and like which i had more fun with would be death loop personally but that's a me personal thing what is your argument for returnal over death loop if you have one um i think uh returnal has a lot of that thing and this is really hard to pitch someone on i think but it has a lot of that thing where like achieving something and getting over something and finally beating that boss is like so high it does however have the lowest lows <laughs> of losing it all right and th- that is built into the game and the game starts off and i think it has something similar to your celeste by saying like you can do this you you can do this through determination and through adapt like you know getting getting over the problems that you have but that's still not always like what you want to hear you know yeah um i would say based on the fact that you liked it more and the fact that i still really liked it i would say death loop could be number three okay uh I, fun thing about returnal one of the reasons I, I i think i don't like it it's and this is a stupid reason not i don't like it the reason that i always like am nervous about playing it the simple pause button i know that's like a baby thing to say and i know you can technically like freeze you can like freeze it right you can pause it yeah can't you yeah you can pause it so like in the like i was playing a game i i just finished Gar- guardians of the galaxy like yesterday and you can pause at any point in the middle of a cutscene, in the middle of whatever and it's not a big mm. deal i was playing a game today and i was a cutscene, and i needed to pause and i couldn't unfortunate and i just hate that game that much more now and even sure. if you can like technically like if i'm in the middle of a boss fight that's not a pause moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like yes. If my house is on fire and I'm on the last boss, I will not be able to pause that <laughs> in order to put that. F- I got to finish that boss fight priorities. Right. But oh, like, yes, you know, I'll be nervous and I'll be distracted. Uh, I like games that I can put like I can put down at any moment and not feel bad about it. Oh, you're talking about be- like that literally like being able to suspend your game. Yeah. Yes. Which has been added, but it, right. that doesn't matter right. because that's when we played right. it. But um, but you can't do that now. But like that's just no. That that's one hundred. There are so many frustrations with that that I t- completely one hundred percent understand. Um, and I understand how the nature of the way I played it was y- unique ish because you're rushing um, through it, right? Because it, as opposed to someone else who was going to be playing it on their own time. So yes, I'm I am perfectly satisfied with saying Death Loop can go over it for that reason. 
And then for now, we'll have Nier as our number five game. Yeah, that's that's good with me. So we have Chicory, The Forgotten City, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Is there an easier way to do this? I'll do this. I will. Here. I'm just going to highlight these guys ah, as, yeah. as the ones that we have yes. used. I was born in the dark. <laughs> um, near Replicant. Congratulations, games. What a fun. And, and we, 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 I, I'm certain we're not the only people saying this, but like this year was interesting because I'm pretty good with all these games, but there's not one that is like a standout. Like this is the game of the year yep. for me. Yep. Um, which, you know, last year we definitely had that. Um, but I still think that having all these games be like, yeah, I could go, I could get down with supporting any of these. I think is still kind of cool. All right. So yeah, remaining, we have Resident Evil Village, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Forgotten City, Chicory, It Takes Two, and Ratchet and Clank, and Rivet and Clunk Rift Apart. All right. I, I will be mad if these games aren't on the top list. Resident Evil Village, Marvel's mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And Ratchet and Clank. I agree. So can we put so, those as the nebulous bottom three categories? five category? Yeah, six, seven, eight. If I had to choose from these, I would probably... So six, I would probably say is... Village, then Guardians of the Galaxy, then Ratchet and Clank. And to be fair, and to be clear, again, I didn't dislike Ratchet and Clank. Um, I quite enjoyed my time with it, but in terms of overall experience, that's how it would go. What do you think? Village is six. Yep. Sure. Wow, look at that! Resident Evil Village, almost on the cutting room floor. Uh, same with Near Replicant. We we started at the <laughs> wrong place. <laughs> we we really did. We really did. Um. <laughs> and it's wild that Resident Evil Village wasn't on my list until about 10 minutes before we recorded because I was like no I probably want to play Guardians of the Galaxy I like, like I was thinking about replaying Guardians of the Galaxy when I was doing it for the Platinum and I was like that kind of sucked <laughs> like just because it was the early parts of the game um, did you do New Game Plus or did you start from again from well so you have to do New Game Plus to travel to have your stuff come over yeah and did you start with um, all of your weapons again no which makes it questionable about why it's even new game plus because you carry over your progress it's because you carry over your uh outfits your your outfits and your uh uh like when you pick up items or like like a <laughs> when you pick up like you know documents yeah, and yeah. stuff like that so um, one of the things i hate about that game is and this is like a dumb thing to hate I was on like chapter 11, maybe 10 when I upgraded all of my guardians with their skill points. And then after encounters, you just stop getting experience points. (laughs) And I want to know who, who was unable to finish that game by getting enough experience points to get all of your guardians upgraded. Well, because it's weird because it's like, just stretch that out, right? Just give less, like, yeah, a percentage less of how much you need. Yeah, not that hard. <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent. Um, so, so for you, what's better, Guardians of the Galaxy, or Ratchet and Clank? Well, clearly, Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank. That was number one. Yeah, for I you. think Ratchet and Clank would would be the better one because, again, I, I have I, there there are some issues I had with Guardians, um, as 
being the first game in the series, I think yeah. that when we get the Guardians 2, if we ever get that, if it's sold well enough, the fact that I bought it for $30 is probably not a great sign, like three weeks after <laughs> it came out. But um, yeah. if it, in fact, did well enough to get a sequel, I think they would fix a lot of those gameplay um, issues and, and things like that to, to make it better. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to say that I'm fine with putting Ratchet and Clank above it, also, because on a technical level, I think Ratchet and Clank is probably one of the most impressive games yet. Like, it's just bar none in terms of, like, technical prowess and stuff like that. I would say Guardians is beautiful, too. There are, like, certain times, like, from certain angles when some of those characters look, like, yeah. real. And yeah, other oh, times when it looks like a cra- creepy mannequin is talking to you. But- were, you playing in, uh, were you playing in performance mode or visual mode? I honestly don't know. Whatever was standard. Okay, standard is performance mode because visual mode drops the frame rate to like 10. Ah, so <laughs> like instantly it is like, whoa, why'd you even put this in here? And it doesn't like look that different. I, I um, rarely take screenshots of video games, by the way, but I definitely mm. took a screenshot of the one where where Peter is jumping up and grabbing his uh, his music yeah. player and the dragon is yes. flying behind him with the explosions. And I was like, that's an awesome photo. And then it was funny because after that, then uh, Gamora was like, that's pretty metal. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was. I love it. I love it. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, put it up there. Guardians of the Galaxy, put her up there. Okay, so we have two spots left, and then we have three games. The Forgotten City, Chicory, and It Takes Two. And so you, which ones have you finished? Obviously, you finished Chicory. Did you finish It Takes Two? Uh, mo- we're almost done. We're on the last world. Okay. It really become it really at the end there. It's like ooh. sticks the landing. All right, here's. Oh no, I mean, I mean, it, it no, I, I, overstays its welcome sp- quite a bit. Yeah, spl- splats the ending. That's why it's been yeah. taken. Like we were like all for the first couple, we just all on it, and then it's like we play like thirty minutes at a time, um, and then yeah. slowly but surely. Okay, so I would say this is my this is my argument. Yep, yeah, go ahead. I would say of of those three games, the one. I would slowly pull off the list. Go ahead. Would be. It takes two. <laughs> you would get rid of it takes two. Interesting. Why? I think it's uh, a lot of what is good about it takes two has to do with the not the game. I yeah. I find looking at that game can sometimes be really ugly when you're looking at the characters. I think the gameplay itself is fun because you're playing with something and they use so many different genres. It's like a buffet of video game styles. But Ooh, that's a great way to put it. But what is the what is what is the the item on that buffet list that they do better than anyone else? Love. I don't want to <laughs> eat buffet love, man. <laughs> love love between you and and who you're playing with no i i know what you mean and and i think like and i didn't finish it but is there a moment in that game that is just exceptionally emotional and exceptionally powerful and exceptionally whatever and i really think it ends and you go oh (laughs) (laughs) oh that's how they chose to end that yeah no and and i think in I mean really the the reason i would keep the forgotten city on there um is because i think it's a it's maybe not the game that 
I am into in terms of like the visual novel aspects of things. And I know it's not a visual novel, but that's what it feels like when I'm playing it. A lot of just like going through the yeah, story yeah. options and stuff like that. Um, I think it's unique. And I know it's in a year with a million time loop games, obviously. So that makes it a little like it doesn't seem as unique as it actually is. But the fact that it is a pretty competent like story like that, I think the things yeah. that you keep bringing up and I, I want to hear your argument for um, like the ending of it. Uh, but like even like how it does make you think about like what is good and what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, like those kind of questions that that's not just like that's that's high level stuff. Like yeah. that is like something I always say video games can make you think more so than a lot of other mediums. Like I was, you know, watching, you know, parts of the Matrix over the last couple of weeks to get ready for the new Matrix movie. And boy, they, yeah, yeah. they bring up a lot of philosophical mumbo jumbo, especially in that second oh, and third yeah. movie. Like, what are you talking about? Like you're not even good with that kind of stuff. And I don't think I think they they, you know, with the time that they have in movies, you don't have time to really explore that stuff and like be the agent of, of making decisions and making the choices yourself. And I, I assume that game kind of funnels. You said there's multiple endings with that, right? Yeah. Uh, so there are like six and, and I got an ending where I was like, when I realized that, Oh, there are more endings to this. I was like, maybe I should go back and play it. And then when I figured out, when I got the ending that I got, I was like, nope, that was a perfect, yep. super satisfying ending. Yep. So basically, uh, you find out, spoilers, that this land is an experiment for uh, the gods. So basically, back in the day, uh, Hades said, I think it was Hades, uh, said, listen, I want to bring... Um, I want to bring this woman. I'm so rusty on this stuff. Uh, I want to bring this woman with me, this human woman with me to heaven where all the gods live. And the gods were like, no, humans are, are not pure enough to be able to live here. They, they are too sinful. And he went, all right, fine. I'll go back home to earth and I am going to run this experiment and get humans to uh, go without sinning for, it was like a year or something like that. And, so that's why these statues come to life and they ice everyone at any time someone sins because it's just going to reset the situation. Um, and they, they just can't do it. People just can't do it, which I think is an interesting uh, take and an interesting, you know, opinion on that. And so eventually what you can do is you go and confront him and he shows up. And like this is where it gets a little like Assassin's Creed future stuff. Where like you go into like he's sitting on a throne, yeah, and like she's there, like like um, is he like sitting like the Jarls in Skyrim, just like yep. chilling like that? He, yep, he's yep. like just sitting there, and yep. he's like, "What what's up with you?" And you have this philosophical conversation with him, saying like, "Well, who are you to decide what these sins are and stuff like that?" Uh, and the ending that I got, he gets really angry with me, so I steal, um the crown of the woman that he's in love with who wants to be, she does not want to go to with him to, to that, to wherever they're off to like Elysium or something like that. Um, she does not want that at all. And she's actually the voice of the person who's been sort of talking to you inside the statues the whole time. And so she whispers to you like free me. So you, I shot her with an arrow. I took her crown and I left and came back and reset the day came back and it was like, yo, what's up, Hades? Guess what? I've got this crown. You are, uh, I, I'm, I'm the one who's in control of this, not you. And he says, fine, get out of here. Everyone go. So you take everyone and all of these ancient, <laughs> not Egyptians, ancient Greek people 
go into the real world. <laughs> That's so funny. And you find out, by the way, that the person who dropped you off uh, is Karen. She go, she yeah. she meets you Great and she's name. like, "Hi, I'm Karen." C A R E N, and she's like, "Yeah, kind of recently it's been dragged through the mud." But you find out it's Karen, like the the person oh. who takes you to the you know the the ferryman of the dead. And so everyone leaves uh, and goes into the modern day real world and you get this like six months later kind of thing where you meet everyone in this museum and turns out all of the people. So you like talk and and see like where everyone ended up and it's really interesting. And then all of the other people in the museum are the statues that you saved who all came to life. Um, And, and they like say thank you to you and, and that's how it ends. Oh, let's see. I mean, what a, what a fun little ending. Yes, and and that to me that's a great ending. Yeah, yeah, and I would not want to go. I mean, I would be interested to go see what the other endings are. But there are some that are like kind of joke endings, kind of like very near endings. Weirdly enough, uh, <laughs> there's a way to start the game, and uh, you can start it with a gun uh, that has six bullets. And if you kill the uh, the guy who's in charge, um, the game just ends because he's the one who's who's keeping the the portal alive. And that's so pretty funny. Dies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, it, the ending to me was quite interesting, and um, while the actual thing of talking to the god was a little bit like, all right, because every time that happens, it's always like, okay, um, it still was satisfying enough and interesting enough and brought uh, and answered a lot of those philosophical questions, not answer, but it, it provided an opinion on those philosophical yeah. questions that it asks, which I think is a lot more than a lot of games do. I think games love asking questions, but very rarely like actually having a side with them um but i I think that it does that very well so and and i think my objection to that game more has to do with me not enjoying the moment-to-moment gameplay of it rather than enjoying the concepts and the ideas and i mean this goes with a lot of those like you know walking simulators i appreciate like life is strange from a distance i don't necessarily like playing those games Right. So, like, experiencing it versus playing it, that's a, a different thing. And I think, again, those ideas, that is stuff that you could only do in a video game. The story you could only tell in a video game. Yeah. Maybe a book, too, but be not as... You, you can't control Less it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and we all and, know and how bad well, choose-your-own-adventures can be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and the, and the whole point, too, of, of it being a game is, like, at any point, you could sin and you could do the thing. You, you can do all sorts of things that would progress you, but you would also kill everyone for a minute and bring everyone back and and all this stuff. So I I understand your trepidation about it. I'm here. Here's how about this? Chicory was the kind of game that I was playing and I was like, I think I'm just not ready for this right now. I'm not in the mood for this right now. I think I would like it, but it's just at the end of the year, I'm tired and like playing a game to play it, to be like, I have to have thoughts and feelings about this is less fun than just playing a game to enjoy it. I'm willing to put it takes to uh, uh, chicory and uh, forgotten city on the list and ice. It takes two, simply because as an experience, it was great as a game. I think it's still very good, but all together in terms of being a tight package, I think that the forgotten city is better. And I think that chicory would be better if I were to, really give it that chance and, and i think too like it, it's more of a unique experience than what i've done before with video games i mean yeah. again a coloring book zelda game like that's a that's a unique <clears throat> concept and i think if it wasn't for the story i would have liked this game but i don't think it would have been like it might have been on my maybe in my top 10 it's hard to say but with the way the story built and like 
it, I know it's like, you know, a, a game that deals with like real life issues, um, in a, in a way that is not just like pandering. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting and how it ends with this whole idea about how Chicory and the main character, basically they've gotten rid of this brush lineage and their job is to teach people yeah. how to find their inner artist and how to deal yeah. with the struggles that they dealt with as they were the official wielders um, and how to teach people to find their own brush, I think was such a beautiful way to end that game. And this whole like bigger metaphor of literally adding color back to the world. And one of the cool things about the game is at the very end, you get a time lapse of all the color you added. So they have the whole map on your screen and you see oh, from that's a really God's cool. eye perspective all the color and everything you did from the little lines you draw to the um, actual like um, like the you know full screens that you start filling in and everything. Uh, and it's just such a, a cool and, and fun game um, that I, I do think it's unique. And again, not that it takes two isn't a good game. I think in terms of it being a unique game, that's where it's like, I've sure. seen it done better. I've seen yeah. it done more interesting um, in interesting ways. Um, I am fine with that. Perfectly fine with that. Show. So what's this finalized list look like? And the- um, and, and you can put, chick- it, to me, it doesn't matter what the bottom, what the order of chicory and the Forgotten City is. Um, well, according to our math, um, Chicory Chicory had one higher point because it was my number two game and Forgotten City was your number three game. Um, Do it. So if we have the Forgotten City and Chicory. And if we revisit this game later and you've played through that game and you hate it, we can we can travel through time, travel through a time loop and go through. Ah. um, And because wait, how many how many time loop games are on here? Okay, we got three death loop <laughs> returnal 12 minutes the medium and okay, the great City. yeah and <laughs> everyone's favorite time loop game the medium <laughs> uh i would also probably say that near replicate it's kind of a time loop game because you just keep, yeah, you keep it. playing it over and over again you just keep playing it and yeah. eventually get a cut scene that, that tries to uh bring in uh what happened at the end of uh near automata and it, just do it very poorly it's like the new content added for the the uh replicate the yeah redone yeah. it was very sad that it just sounded like that i'm sorry to hear it so finalized list here number one Metroid Dread. Number two, Halo Infinite. Number three, Deathloop. Number four, Returnal. Number five, Near Replicant. Number six, Resident Evil Village. Uh, number seven, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number nine, Chicory. Number 10, The Forgotten City. That to me is a list of 10 games that I would love to play right now. I'm um, pausing what game do I not want to play right now? I don't, the Near Replicant, I'm never touching that game again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, like, I, I will go that's back fair. and play Near Automata, but I'm not going to play Near Replicant <laughs> Ever, again. Yeah. But no, that's fair. You basically burned that into your brain. Uh, it's it's really getting those stupid black pearls to get all those weapons at the end. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, yeah. I did this loop grind in, the, in the in the seaside village like maybe 400 times. Um, I am still having nightmares about that. Yeah, that that's fair. It, hey. got, it got to the point when I was doing it without moving my camera to like try to make it harder on myself to at least have some <laughs> kind of simulation. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to this 
episode of Hitbox, a podcast. Um, I'll just tell you right now, it's going to be late. <laughs> this is this has been quite the episode. I've had nothing but a great time talking here about the past 365 days of gaming for us. But uh, yeah, just because of how long it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit late. Uh, who knows when? I'll our twitter account which is at hitbox pod uh we'll we'll keep you updated on that but of course you know that because you listen to the episode right now because we're not anyway um <laughs> that was <laughs> a fool a fool's gambit of mine um anyway uh thanks so much for listening if you feel so inclined go ahead and give us a follow on spotify and apple podcasts you can give reviews on spotify now it would be very cool if you did that uh for our show that would be very uh very swag of you, as I would have said, probably in 2014. Um, anything else? Oh, we're going to be doing button mashing 101 hitbox collab to take this here list to um, to test it against their list. I'll be curious what's on theirs. I'm going to say this. Tales of Arise is going to be on. Yeah, there. No, I know. I like, oh, the one thing I need to do is I need to play Tales of Arise uh, by, yeah. by Thursday. I don't know if that's happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to just say, like, I, I'm sure I would like it. I'm willing to if, just say, yeah, put if it on I there, started I playing that right now and I didn't sleep, I didn't eat, I didn't leave my yeah. TV, I would not finish it by the time we no. recorded on no. Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so look out for that. We'll we'll have fun. But this will be going up hopefully before that does. It should be. Uh, I can't imagine it being delayed that much. But hey, <laughs> thanks so much. Have a happy new year. We'll catch you next time. Always remember, old games are old. And right now, every game in 2021 is an old game. Yeah. Hey! Bye. <laughs>